just before the show starts properly this week, this is just a disclaimer. If you have not seen the Batman yet, uh, you might have seen that there was a deleted scene released this week. The contents of that deleted scene are spoiled somewhat during the the small talk section before the book's reviews start. So if you want to skip that, use the timestamps to do so. Um, long story short, blame Matt. <laughs> it was all Matt. But when we start the you can skip ahead like five, ten minutes and you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, we, I, I, we try and dance around it and then Matt let something just, slip. Just blurt so, it out. So hey, just, hey you know. I didn't have all my coffee in me already. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just know, I am sorry. Should but be. yes, here, here's your uh, regularly scheduled... Uh, Matt also dropped an F-bomb in this week's episode as well, so Matt's just completely on a rebellious phase. But yes, here's your regularly scheduled episode of Comics of the Multiverse. Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, what's up? Connor's here too. Yep, just about made it. Yes. Uh, this is episode 298. It's a DC Comics podcast. We get together, we talk about this week's DC Comics that we read. Coming up on this week's show, we have... It was my list. There's, uh, we have Detective Comics 1058, Action Comics 1041, Robin Issue 12, Task Force Z Issue 6, Deathstroke Inc. Issue 7, The Human Target Issue 6, Rogues Issue 1, plus Connor's got some Patreon books to get done. He's got Harley Quinn Issue 13, which is a new release this week. And he also has something else that I didn't ask. So, so what was that? It's uh, Noctera, the Blacktop Build Special. Noctera, there you go. Uh, so that's what he's talking about. So uh, that is what's coming up on today's show. Um, but yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't know, we can get to the top 10 if, if people are ready for it. I mean, I, like, there's always time for it, of course. Yeah. Uh, you know, I... I because I feel like we're going to tangent. I feel like I'll get the top 10 out of the way quick, first of all. Uh, so, number one, uh, this is the top 10 based on the pools on leagueofcomicgeeks.com. Number one is Saga, issue 57. Saga is just such a, like a gargantuan I'm, I'm, success. I'm willing to bet that is actually the, uh, the, the top selling book as well. Oh, probably, yeah. Uh, it's such a gargantuan success that like almost no other image or indie book is beating DC and Marvel most weeks, but Saga just yeah. consistently every time. Like no, it's, number it's one, it's a juggernaut. It's funny. I went I went to check on Amazon to see if they'd updated the, the thing yet with the publishers, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know if you guys have done it, but they have the this week's featured releases section, um, where of course the first two books are Comicsology originals, giving giving themselves a nice little boost, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah, they're cooking the books. We can't, uh, yeah. we can't trust that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so no, Saga, Saga doing well as expected. Number two is Detective Comics one thousand fifty-eight. Number three is Action Comics one thousand forty-one, and number four is Robin issue twelve. So DC doing very well with three out of the five top five uh, okay. there. And I think the surprising one there is probably Robin. Just in terms, you know, yeah. Detective in action you expect, but Robin is like, um, oh, don't expect that a little bit lower. I'm wondering if people are gearing up for the crossover because, you know, Batman. Uh, I was just about to suggest that. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. That makes some sense. This issue isn't marketed as a prelude or anything, is no, it? No, no. No, but I, I do feel like people might be like, hey, put Robin on there so I don't miss the crossover. Yeah, I'm looking at the cover mm. now. There's nothing on the cover that says <clears throat> anything about it. So, and yeah, it, obviously it didn't read like one, but I didn't. But yeah. that doesn't always mean they no. didn't market them as one. But people should be reading Robin. Robin's a good book. 
So it's it's good to be in the top five. Yeah, number five is Darth Vader, issue 21. So that keeps going. Uh, number six is the Department of Truth, issue 17, which is which oh, is kind of where yeah. I'd expect a good selling indie book to, to be ranking. You yeah, know? it's no saga, let's be realistic. Yeah. But it's very solid. It was the end of the end of the third arc, I think. Or, and uh, oh, good. it had Fornes on art for this issue. And Oh, oh good. It, it was great. I, I'll be excited to read that in trade. Yeah. Number seven is X, Deaths of Wolverine, issue five. Not to be confused with issue five of Lives of Wolverine from last week, mm-hmm. I think it was. Just yep. keep, keep these right. And Ben Percy has just got the Wolverine market cornered. Oh, he's just pumping them it's out. Good, good for him. Why, one day I'll get in the mood and I'll sit... Do you, think, do you think there's a, a werewolf in his Wolverine book? There, I, I think he's the main character. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, Wolverine's kind of werewolfy yeah, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Close enough, yeah. He's got the sense of smell that werewolves tend to yeah, get. Yeah, the smell, the claws, the hair, the hair yeah, 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 ferocious yeah. nature. Do you know what? He, it's the perfect book for Ben Percy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, so, what was that? That was number seven. Number eight is Monstrous Issue 38. Fair enough. Number nine is the human target issue six. So you've got you get into the top ten, but you're not like you know at the top of the list. Makes about sense for a critically acclaimed book that isn't you know Batman. Mm-hmm. And then number ten is Harley Quinn issue thirteen. I'm sure Connor is excited to talk about that later. Mm, so so many thoughts. That's what's coming up. Uh, just sort of looking ahead, uh, follow down to see whether some of the other DC books fall. Uh, Teen Titans Academy is in the top fifteen, and then Task Force Z. And Deathstroke Inc. just sneak into the top twenty, and that's that's pretty much your your upper end. Uh, Rogues is somewhere down in the mid twenties, uh, but that's that's an issue one. Issue one's tend to rank lower on uh, the side. Yeah, that is the problem with this system, and I suspect given that it's a relatively short mini, it probably a lot of people just skip yeah. over it in general. I click pull on it just so that I was contributing to it, but I'll get you. <laughs> yeah oh just for some context yeah, I, I said i was going to actually check it last week but i forget i forgot but just to give some context for numbers here saga here is listed at 7,585 pulls so that's your number one uh i will check detective just to sort of see where the dc books are landing that's 7,463 so not a lot in it there you know that's yeah. what like a hundred less if that between them uh action is 4,712 so yeah a bit of a jump there. Not a huge one, but a bit of a jump. And then just to sort of give the full spectrum there, number 10 was Harley Quinn and that is sitting on 1,899 pulls on the website, so it gives you a sense of the thing. If I remember next time, I'll just tell you what those numbers are, but I'm saying what the top 10 are, but uh, that's a big if. Big if. So there you go, that's the top 10 for the week. Uh, And with the exception of, of course, the deleted scene from the Batman, which we might briefly mention, there wasn't really any news this week, as at least that I saw. Did, did anyone see any DC Comics news? No. And I didn't see the deleted scene because I've not seen the movie either, so I'm trying movie, to avoid yeah. all spoilers. I'm, no, I'm, no, I've, got it, I've got it all muted. Yeah, we won't, we won't, we won't talk about it. Uh, just, I mean, did you get... Did, uh, I'm, I'm curious, actually, Did you? Did, were the contents of the deleted scene in any way kind of revealed to you or spoiled? I just know there is a five-minute deleted scene. Right, okay. Because I feel like a lot of the headlines said some of the things that were in the deleted scene, so I was just curious if you'd seen those and had it spoiled in some form. But nope. That's good. That, because I literally uh, muted everything on Twitter to do with mm. it, because 
because of exactly this because i i kind of hate not not for this movie specifically but twitter in general for any new movie it's like yeah. if you don't watch it within the first week i mean even the even the first week's probably being yeah. generous there if you don't watch it the first like three days you're screwed yeah so i have a select group of people i'll talk to about stuff once once enough time has passed but people can't handle their news anymore mm. Yeah, I'll just say I watched the, the, the extra scene, and I'll say that um, I still don't love everything in that scene, but I, there was definitely more things I liked versus the related scene in the movie that was still there that I, I definitely didn't like. <laughs> so, so was that meant to replace that scene? Or no, 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 they like... both to be there. Cause th- th- this deleted okay. scene was taken from like, the middle of the movie, so it would, it would have... Oh. Yeah. So, so it's more like a Hannibal lecter kind of... Yeah, vibe. yeah, yeah. Because in the scene, Batman even says specifically, kind of, he sort of roughly says what's happened so far. Gotcha. In the, in the course of the movie. So. Yeah, I saw Joker and I, I, I noped out. Uh, so, still have a, a bit of uh, reflex from, from the Joaquin movie. So, you know. Hmm. I feel like Matt just spoiled something there. Pretty sure he did. Yeah. Why? What the hell, Matt? How many... How many wait, what? You just told him Joker's there. Oh, I thought... Oh, my bad. I'm tired. <laughs> I thought it was... Well, no. I, I did so well talking around what the scene was. We could, we could cut it out. It, it, snip, snip. I'm sorry. It's not really for the audience. I mean, I do care about the audience. Yeah. Audience, I love you all. Yeah. And the one you be spoiled. Connor, my, but... Connor, my bad. It's... Uh, <laughs> Oh, oh well, my, my fault. My fault. He uh, just casually said it. <laughs> yeah. Again, my bad, bud. Well, okay. Well, in that case, I don't have to talk around it as much because that's really the only thing you could spoil. I, I, I'll just say, um, there's definitely parts of the Joker performance that feels like it's going for Heath Ledgery, but it also at times feels a bit more over the top. Uh, so I'm not convinced I like it yet, but. I'm definitely more optimistic than I was after the scene that's in the movie, so... There you go. I don't think I spelled it in there, Connor, that wasn't already spoiled. No, no, <laughs> no, you didn't. I have, no, I have no opinion to add to it. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's I've, not, I've not seen it. I'm so. just doing my best not to say anything now. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, I thought Matt was pushing it even by saying Hannibal Lecter-style scene, and I was like, oh, that's a bit... Yeah, yep, yeah, no, I just... <laughs> Was not thinking. I mean, that that was fine because I'm like that. That could, that could be anyone. Could have been anybody. Right? Yeah. Uh, I guess it's probably Joker though. Let's be honest. My, my bad. Five hours of sleep. <laughs> See, you said that again with no context. Obviously, I know. Like, like, okay, sure, Riddler's in the movie, but in in hypothetically, that could have been a thing with the Riddler, right? Sure, you know? sure, yeah, yeah. Like, could have been literally anybody. Could have just been a yeah, you know, a guy. But yeah, anyways. But even if I said if. <laughs> You know, I give my opinion on why I didn't watch it. I feel like the context clues would have been there. So, again, my bad. Uh, just not going to talk about that character anymore. It's fine. I, I guarantee it would have been spoiled to me before I got around to the movie anyway. It's, because uh, as much as I mute right. stuff on Twitter, some people just, don't put the things that yeah, make sure. it muted. Just... Uh, just imagine there's King Tut and not Joker, and we're fine. I mean, on the bright side, Connor, like it's it's not a big part of the movie. It's just like not like connected to the 
the main plot around like that. It's just like a... I remember we were talking about this before. Well, I mean, again, we were dancing around it a while yeah. before it came out, where there was the alternate cuts of the movie with with or without yeah. that character. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't really spoil anything related to the, most of the main plot or anything like that. All of that's still disconnected. You, all, all you know I, now is there's... I'm actually a little bit amazed at how little I know about this movie. It's good. Yeah, I felt like I got into it, to be honest, as well. Like, see, when I sat down to watch it, I was like, you know what? The trailers kind of did a good job of like... It's, it's been out for like two weeks now, and yeah. I still know nothing. That's good. Well, now, I, now, I, now like... I know there's a joke scene. Thanks, Matt. Well, <laughs> I feel like Reeves, Reeves knows, though, that you don't really have to sell Batman. Like, you can just put put in a really cool bunch of cool-looking shots. Did anyone tell Zack Snyder that? Well, let's uh... not go there, because we, we just came up on anniversaries, according to Facebook. Uh, and getting to relive my uh, my reactions to that god awful film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Also, I think it was eight years, maybe longer. I can't remember. That Sucker Punch came out today. And uh, yeah, less said about that movie, the better. So. Oh, for sure, that movie's terrible. Yeah, uh, <sighs> I ain't gonna have to convince me twice of that. I'm actually just like, was our Batman review? Did that come out this week? Fifteenth. Was that the start of this week? No. no. No, previous week. I'll pimp it anyway. There was a three-hour Batman review with me and David. Go check it out. <laughs> Same length as the movie. Yeah, I actually think we beat the movie by a couple of minutes. <laughs> You're a goddamn disgrace. No one's seen him watching that. Except how many people have already done that. <laughs> <laughs> Those people don't count, clearly. Uh, if you want the audio version of it, it's on the... Uh, the one twenty one in flux audio feed, if that's more your your style. Uh, but yeah, um, not a great movie though. I'm looking forward to uh, getting that when it's out uh, mm-hmm. on the home release. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it at home and see uh, if it hits the same as it did in the theater. Yeah, because I feel like some movies just are better on the big screen. I I think that's what will hold up. I think it has the depth to. It's better on the big screen, which I I think a lot of movies are. And then there's, this does not work if you don't watch it on a big screen. And, and those are the movies that I really dislike in the, in, in the end, because I'm like, it's kind of a, it's working on a gimmick that's, and that's about it. That's what I'm worried about doing and why I haven't watched it yet, because uh, I didn't I've, go see it at the theater. I've, I've watched it twice at home and it, yeah. I, I haven't yeah. seen it. I didn't see it in the cinema. I missed it. So, gotcha. yeah. fine. Well, because you haven't been to a theater in, in, since the pandemic, right? Nope. That's a pray. Was yeah. still the last one I went to saw. Um, That's the uh, Bond is Bond okay at home? Yes, because this is the first Bond movie since Gold. Bond's Night, not okay anywhere, man. Show it's no, uh, yeah. no, because Bond Bond's a spectacle, and like, mm-hmm. like I have Skyfall, right? I own it on Blu-ray. I haven't watched it since the theater. Like, I'll, I'll, if it's on TV, I'll watch bits and pieces. But, but yeah, this is the first one I missed just because I didn't feel like going to the theater. That's the first one uh, I missed. And now, now I'm kicking myself because I hear how fun it is. Um, it is fun. It has a, a fantastic wanna towards the end. Like, just an amazing action sequence. Oh, wait, Fukunaga doing a wanna? I, I know. Who what? Guessed? What? Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, no. So that's why, yeah. So do not, maybe, maybe I'll clear out some time this week and, and watch that. They're, they're both long films, obviously. But yeah. I did enjoy both of them. I mean, I, I I didn't love doing as much as other people did. Like it, it's very pretty, but I just I wasn't in love with it. I yeah, it's 
to I've seen the concepts of it. It's just again, there's stuff for me and stuff that's not for me. And uh, well, all I'm saying like is, Dune wasn't. What I didn't know going in is that Dune has bagpipes in its score. <laughs> and that kicked in out of nowhere, and I was like, "This is amazing! How is this working?" Zimmer, you madman. <laughs> Yeah, but I snuck quite that electric guitar from the original Dune. I though. could just see the poster. It says, has bagpipes, four stars, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, I was at the movies just today, and I got a trailer for a few different horror films, because I've seen a horror movie. But mm -hmm. the, what I want to bring up here, because uh, there was some news this week, or some rumors about it, and I wanted to just talk about it, just to make fun of it more than anything. But I got the trailer for uh, uh, Morbius. And oh no! I was hearing, I was hearing this week. Apparently, there's some rumors going that they ch significantly changed a lot of that movie because when they wrote it and shot it originally, they were doing it under the impression that No Way Home was going to be the last Spider-Man film connected to the MCU. So it was going to be like setting up the fact that no, no, Tom Holland is now going to be interacting with Venom and Morbius. But then at some point along the way, with No Way Home, Sony and Marvel. We're like, nah, this isn't working too well. We need to keep doing this. We, so we like money. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and that's the thing. There's, I mean, that's minor spoilers here, but it's not really spoiling anything. But there's a mid-credit scene in No Way Home that kind of like just makes it clear that Venom's a separate thing. Makes yeah. it clear, right? And um, that clearly, I imagine, was probably a decision that was made when they decided, oh, we're going to keep doing this with this connected stuff. So Venom has to kind of stay in its own, but. Apparently, a lot of Morbius, like it was going to have like cameos for things and stuff and set up stuff that they, they took out and then it changed things around or something. I don't know. So, I mean, so, there's a certain character that shows up in the trailer that apparently is not in the movie anymore. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, so you're yeah. telling me banking on cameos and teases isn't a sustainable model for a movie? Oh, I, I fully say hey, that, yes. I, one of my friends sent me a bunch of the. Um, best bits out of the Morbius reviews, and one of them said, not even the best movie of 2005. Um, <laughs> anything like that always cracks me up. It does look um, really dated. It looks like a, like a mid-2000s But you know what? Shitty movie. I, I am willing to spend my $8 no, on a matinee don't support to go it. see this. No, Matt. I, I haven't even watched a trailer for it. Oh, it looks so bad. Okay, he, he's a scientist, right? Right? I don't care what type of scientist you are. You're familiar with, with the term echolocation, correct? I've, Even us yes. non-scientists are. Y yes. I've... In, in the trailer, he says he has bat radar. <laughs> <laughs> he's not even man-bat. He doesn't get to pull that shit. No. <laughs> At least man-bat, with man-bat, you're like, oh, okay, well... Maybe that's not a vampire. He's a beast. If anything, he's closer to a werewolf. Also, he loses his sense of faculties. I have no attachment to this property, but apparently Jared Leto was a big Tron fan and wants to do a new Tron movie, and he's developing it. Please don't let him touch Tron. Oh, no, I know it's no, going to upset Connor. Connor. I'm safe. hoping for it. We're, we're safe because there's no way of him actually being able to put himself into a computer yet. <laughs> because he's so method that... Do, that do you know what the, the only thing that's going to make it safe? Uh -huh. This movie is going to bomb. Oh, big time. It, it's going to bomb, and they're going to go, we're not going to let you do Tron. That, that movie, it struggles enough as it is. We need, to, we need talent. Man. I'll be honest, it will hurt my soul. It will hurt my soul if it does not, like... Matt, if, it, if you go if and see this and, and you help it make money, 
and then and then we get a Tron movie from him because of that. This is your fault. I'm holding you personally responsible. Uh, but Tim's gonna see Morbius too, so can we? Uh, you know... Tim can't be stopped. He's a madman. <laughs> True. <laughs> God damn it. And I don't think Tim's actually going to go see it. Tim's like, you know, trying to struggle good movies into his theater schedule with the with the with the baby and all that. I I, I don't think Tim's actually going to go through with that threat. Yeah, but he loves monsters. He does love monsters. You know? But this is a meme. This is like, you know, this is Tim saying Terry Close is a horror movie because it's a vampire, so we should do it on screens. And I'm like, Tim, piss off! It's not happening. So you're not going to review it. But it's a vampire movie. I mean. If people want to talk me into it when it's available at home, I'll suffer through it. But I am not going to a theater to see Morbius. So, so you'll watch it next month then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, what's uh, what's Fox's? Where would that show up? Not Fox, Sony. Sony. Where's Sony's? They've got a deal with. I remember a news story a while ago. They're either they're either on Netflix after eighteen months and then switching to Disney Plus, or it's the other way around. Okay, but shoot. It'll, it'll be available at like digital to rent in like six weeks, probably. My sounds God, like, sounds like a threat. Don't, I'll, I'll never forget doing the Hellboy review with Tim, and he's just like, "Yeah, this movie's not that good. It's kind of disappointing. It's an eight, and I lost it. <laughs> this is how I lost for, for 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 record's sake. This is how Hellboy twenty eighteen or whatever it was. Yeah, that, and you're one and for all the shit we give Matt about like. <laughs> Critiquing a book and then giving it like a seven point five, nothing compared to Tim and Hellboy. No, that because I didn't know if he was going to follow through, and I was like, he's gonna it's Hellboy, he's gonna give it a higher than he should score. I wasn't ready for how high. It might not even an eight. It might have been a nine. And Pete's just looking at him in horror. <laughs> Did I have to go see that in theaters? Yeah, that movie was a mess. I was oh, I was on that me. review with you. That hurts me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't think me, there's no way me and Tim did one by ourselves with no. you just recording. No, I think, no yeah, way. I was there. That would have been, that would have been a mess of Lovecrafty and, you know, just madness all around. Like, I, I'll still just put, Tim ranting for an hour and a half. Yeah. I'll still put myself through, like, all the horror and sci-fi, but I'm, I'm kind of glad I got more selective with other movies as to which ones I'll mm-hmm. force myself to review because... The thought of going to pay for a ticket for that Hellboy movie like sends a shiver down my spine now. I rewatched the Del Toro ones not that long ago, and they hold they're up. De- yeah, they're decent. They're fun monster, you know, mythological. I was never into uh, them, uh, but they're, they're better than. I'd say the that they're not like necessarily the best Hellboy movies in terms no. of adapting the comics. I think the first one's closer, but yeah, they're great urban fantasy. Yeah, and if you of... want urban fantasy movies, oh, that second one, Golden Army, oh. is top tier. Yeah, and I'll take that type of Del Toro over the last two Del Toros. That's just me. Um, Shape of Water and Nightmare Alley. No, I, re- I realize Shape of Water. Crimson <laughs> Na- Na- Nightmare well. Alley and Crimson Peak I did not like. I, I like Crimson Peak. Wait, did I like Crimson Peak or did I like Jessica Chastain and Crimson Peak? Either way. <laughs> uh, Matt Matt's the only one who's uh, got a box of tissues out and really enjoyed Dark Phoenix, but the rest of us didn't. <laughs> Actually, I got up and went to the hardware store halfway through, and I hate the hardware store. <laughs> how, how are you going to bring in Jessica Chastain and not have her play an older Jean Grey or Lelandra of the Shi'ar? Nah, she's some character that I've never even heard. Nah. Poof. So angry. 
God, that movie sucked. That movie that sucked. And it was so far, yeah. I don't remember anything about it. I could not me neither. I, I could tell you anything about it. I know. I know it was one of the first movies I watched in pandemic because it had came to I think HBO right as the pandemic kicked off. So I was like, oh, I'm not doing nothing. And then I was like, what else can I be doing? Uh, I'll put up a screen door. That's what I'll do. <laughs> I'll go to the hardware store, find one. I uh, know I saw it. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember I don't, anything don't except being upset about Chastain being wasted. The only, the only thing I remember from that movie is at one point, Gene makes Xavier walk like a puppet. Like she uses a telekinesis to make him walk. And he looks wow. really like, like in uh, silly. Like in nightmare uh three kind of yeah it's kind of puppet like yeah. yeah 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 i remember that and i think there was a big train scene towards the end i think that's like that's all i've got for you yeah really really bad man the problem with so many superhero movies is that there's a lot of them end up being really shit <laughs> is, is it bad that i'm nostalgic for bad superhero movies at a certain point like not like fan stick bad but like when you're just like this is not what the comics are like at all. I don't know. Maybe I just like defending comics uh, as a medium versus the general. I, I think uh, I'd, people thought I'd, I'd rather watch like X Men Three: Last Stand. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm a talking lot about. Of the, the Marvel movies, where at least I feel like, like it was a bad movie. Don't me wrong; it's a bad, bad mm-hmm. movie. But at least I feel they tried something. I mean, I wouldn't pick that one, but I will. Uh... Or like Blade. Right, like, well, like the first Blade movie. I mean, I, I kind of love Superman three. Superman three is not a good yeah. movie. Yeah, but it's it's got hey. a lot of heart at it. <laughs> thanks, thanks to Williamson, that's canon now. So you know, <laughs> you know, um, I'm trying to think. Is there, this is the thing. Like, I I I would. I'm someone who thinks Batman and Robin is way more watchable than Batman Forever because Forever is obviously the lesser of the two evils. But Batman and Robin, because it's so bad, it becomes funny. <laughs> Versus Forever, which I just think is kind of rough. I get I like where Forever. you're coming from. I, I, I think yeah. I like Forever more, for sure. But I get where you're coming from with the, it's it's almost so bad, it's good. So yeah. It's not quite there, but it, it's close. The Arnold one-liners, there's the stuff it's I can almost, get some enjoyment out of. Yeah, it's almost self-aware at points. Yeah. You know? Um, it, and it's almost a... Batman 66 adaptation more than a Batman comic adaptation. Even Forever's pretty 66, though. That's a campy-ass movie. Yeah, but... Right, but I would say that Batman and Robin's a little bit more... Like, we're talking about the... With the Arnold one-liners and everything to do with Ivy and Bane. Just, you know, George Clooney's Bruce. Um, but, yeah. There's obviously there's a lot of debate right now about villains to have in the next uh, Batman movie. I'm going to plead the fifth because I'm not going to spoil anything from being tired. <laughs> Go ahead, Pete. Can you I spoil don't... a movie that's not out? I mean, I guess he's confirming that X characters aren't in the first one. <laughs> I suppose if you want to argue that. I'm not saying nothing. Uh, what, are there more surprise characters in it that would not? No. Uh, <laughs> no. Maybe. I'm not going to spoil it for you. just being really careful. <laughs> look, look, I know about, you know, Penguin, Riddler. Yes. Uh, I, I guess Joker now. <laughs> uh, and obviously Catwoman if you really want to come out in the villain side of things if you want to count Falcone as well as a you know. uh, sh- sure right yeah. but unless there's more surprise things in the first one that Matt can be scared of confirming 
Oh, that Calder man scene see... was was uh, <laughs> something. That... Y'all no. didn't see the League of Shadows the, hanging you, out in the background? Sorry, you, you you just reminded me of a piece of news that that I was very excited about. DC related news. Oh, okay, go on. We're getting a a, a spin off from the Harley Quinn animated show, and it's uh, yeah. it's Kite Man running a bar for villains. Sign me up. And oh, it's this version of Kite Man after he's been jilted by by yeah. Ivy. And oh, it's going to be perfect. They, they are oh. describing it as a DC yeah. Cheers. Yes. It's a fine concept. Everything. It's a fine concept. I can't, I can't argue with no, that. No, I want to rewatch season one and two. I can't wait till they bring back the, the running gag with Bane and his chair in yep. the bar. Yeah. Which I can't. <laughs> My poor wife is tired of hearing the Bane voice when I need a chair. <laughs> She's so tired of it. Uh... <laughs> Oh, it's so good. Uh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, so that is very good news. Uh, and I know I know Pete doesn't care because no. he hates fun, but that show is amazing and it's one just, of the best PC uh, things. I'm just it made me love hate Doctor Psycho. Oh like he's so good. Yeah, he's so good on that show. Um, and I, I think my favorite thing about Psycho is he's actively still just the worst person yeah. there consistently. Uh-huh. But he's so enjoyable to watch. Yeah, exactly. So, oh man. Yeah, I, th- I think they were saying they were gonna have like Clayface as the as a as a bartender or a bouncer, something like that. Like maybe both. But... So Kite Man's right on the bar, so that makes him the Ted Danson. Yep. Type. Yeah. So. Ugh. Condiment Kings, the Woody Harrelson. Could be. Can you just imagine him going around the bar like, do you want mustard with that? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a running gag. Hey, there is a condiment-king bartender. There is. There is. These, I didn't even uh, do that intentionally, but there was a technical. I know, I just remembered. There was a condiment-king doing bar, yeah. Uh, no. Uh, yeah, uh, that's just on the villains, because I, I was thinking about the villains for the next movie, and I was thinking how... I saw people complaining that... Like this movie, the you know the current one didn't have any new villains. They would never seen a movie before, and well, yeah, okay, I would like some. You know, I'd love a good croc or a clayface or whatever. Uh, but I think there's a something to be said for redeeming some of the characters that have only had goofy versions before. So Mister Freeze, I think, is a great example of that. Uh, obviously, Poison Ivy is another one you could throw in there. Is like give us a serious, like better version of that. But Matt's never gonna say no to having a Poison nah. Ivy. Ste- Hell no. Steampunk Mr. Freeze is my number one choice, but like I'm open to most picks. I know there's some like rumors going around about maybe doing the Court of Owls stuff, kind of. There, I didn't see it. Yeah, and, and there's even, there's the, and the, I'm not spoiling it, like the tease oh. of Court of Owls in the movie, but there is definitely some stuff about the city in the first movie that makes me think, oh, they could go down the Court of Owls route if they, if they, they were easily. playing. Yeah. yeah, okay, that makes sense. You know, like, um, John in the comics, like, it's not the exact same as the comics, but you know in the comics there was that stuff set up like the, the founding families of Gotham, there's kind of like a, mm-hmm. a little bit of that, that in the it. backstory. Which I, I just love the whole secret history of Gotham from Gates of Gotham and then I love Gates of Gotham. In, yeah. into Court of Owls that there is fibers there in the movie. Um, but yeah. Uh, I mean, Pattinson did say he loves Condiment King. Like... <laughs> Well, I, someone I think, asked him his favorite Bat villain. He's and, so charismatic in interviews. It's amazing yeah. to me how he just doesn't get some jobs. It's no because people are, are holding Twilight against him, which he's done at this point more other movies than he did a Twilight. 
and it's not like he's picked up for Twilight uh, for well, any reason. One of the things um, like, I said in the review was that the next movie should probably start off with him like, like beating like a smaller villain, like so we can get to see mm-hmm. another villain on screen just just for the opening couple of scenes. Just Calendar like, Man, yeah, just like him taking down a villain that doesn't need to have like a movie about them. Uh, like, see, uh, I would, fun. I would love like King Tut and Maxi Zeus just at the beginning. Oh sure, and. Yeah. Go go ridiculous, and then let's say you do Court of Owls, and then it goes dark because you're getting into the history of Gotham. I think Court of Owls you know? lends itself to having another villain alongside it as well because you've got yeah. their, they're pulling the strings in the background, and you've got them, you know, but you've got the, the more obvious threat to face. I, I think first, like, half me and David theorize you could pair Hush with Court of Owls really well, and even yeah. have, even have uh, Hush kind of replace the Lincoln March character and just you know fudge yeah. it a little bit and kind of have him fill that, that role. That fits that. more cleanly, right? Because like, yeah. you have Elliot, you know. But you don't uh, have to do the family. kind of the, the brother angle then, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think there's uh, there's ways to, to do that stuff. Yeah, Patterson, actually, Patterson said something, just because we mentioned the, the method acting of uh, Jared yeah. earlier. There was a quote from Patterson in some interview where he said, uh, it's funny how all the people who you know claim method acting only use that when they're being assholes about something. No, no one ever yeah. is really nice and then says I'm method acting. Yeah. I, I forget uh, who told Dustin Hoffman that when Hoffman was young, because uh, he was getting into character to play somebody. Oh, no, I remember the story. And, it was in Marathon Man. Yeah. He stayed up like all night for like two days yeah. or something, so he looked tired on screen. And then like the the veteran actor said, yeah. "Boy, we do this thing called acting." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, it was an Just older the much... Lawrence Olivier one. Yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. Olivier. He goes, it's, it's called acting. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it is, and it's like I I get tired of hearing this stuff because like I get what Ledger did for Joker, but it also brought about his demise, right? Because him going that erratic is kind of what led to his dependency and on substances to to sleep, and eventually led to him going away from us. So, like. Yeah, man. I, I don't ever, I never see someone go, oh yeah, they got into character to play somebody really nice and they were just nice the whole I'm time. I'm honestly surprised that there hasn't been any union, like, you know, saga for a new union action towards what? actor safety yeah. in, in regards to, you know, method acting. In the same way that in like sports, there's a lot of movement right now towards mm-hmm. preventing head injuries, right? Yeah. Uh, across like, a variety of sports. Every sport. Yeah, they're all kind of moving in that direction. I'm surprised acting hasn't yeah. done something. No, no unprotected chair shots to the head. Yeah, I mean, all I know is like if I worked with Jared Leto and he sent me dead animal parts, we are fighting. <laughs> I don't care how much I don't care how much you're worth to the movie. I don't care if he whips my ass. I'm, I'm taking. I'm taking I a think piece you of could him. take Jared Leto if I'm being honest. I think I could too. <laughs> I mean, I don't he's, think he's, he's got that much bit, in him. No, he's he's a little bit wiry. You know, but he's he's definitely you know. all bark, isn't he? Besides, yeah. besides, it's like we wouldn't chip in. Let's be honest. You know, it's the only yeah. one. But <laughs> I feel like the whole set fun. would. I feel it would be like uh, I'm not familiar with Dragon Ball, but the whole spirit bomb concept where they'd lend you the sure, energy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel the whole set would just lend whoever's like, all right, good deal, deal, Jared. Uh, sure, sure, yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll chip in all kick to yeah, the ribs. And, <laughs> Uh, and it just sucks because I really like that one album from his band. It I can't separate. Uh, so thirty parsecs to Mars, that one. Yeah, thirty. Yeah, what's it called? Thirty seconds to Mars. Thirty seconds. Yeah. 
It is, yes. Yeah. I was giving but, you a yeah, Star but... Wars reference because I'm nice and generous. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, um, but you did it in the context of Jared Love. <laughs> yeah. Hey. I'm just saying. They belong together. From yesterday, so Even you don't mean that. <laughs> Jared Leto for uh, uh, Anakin's grandson. Oh, that's fine. Or great grandson, whatever. Whoever we're on now in the lineage. Say <laughs> <laughs> that. That's Ben. That's, yeah. Uh, that's yeah, yeah. So, so, so great grandson. There you go. I mean, there was that uh, legend story of of the the drug dealing Skywalker. Yeah. Uh, Actually, I on the um, just to, to whip this back around to Patterson <laughs> and interviews and stuff. There's a great one with him and Zoe Kravitz been interviewed together, and he basically starts talking about how he, like he discovered women in true love by playing Final Fantasy VII when he was a kid. Starts talking about his waifus. Yeah, he starts talking about Tifa and uh, Aerith. Aerith, that's the one, and. Zoe Kravitz has never heard of these characters, so she's asking and he's questions. There going, oh, it's amazing! Is this amazing? And, and she's just there going, "What the hell is wrong with you?" So, is he a Tifa guy or an Eris guy? Well, that's what he talks about. He talks about how it's this. Yeah. It's, it's like you first you're forced to choose as a young man. It's the yeah. first time you're faced with this choice of two yeah. different types of women. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, it was amusing. I think it was amusing because she was just sandbagging him, and he just looked so enthusiastic about this topic. He, he seemed so genuine about it as well. Like, and look, when Lenny Kravitz is your dad and Jason Momoa is your stepdad, you don't know Final <laughs> Fantasy VII. <laughs> <laughs> he, you just don't. Oh dear, I, it's, it's just so funny though because he's talking about like a really nerdy version of a love triangle when he's known for being in one of the worst love triangle stories of all time. Uh, <laughs> so it's just really funny. Although, he's, he's done so much work to try and get out of being the Twilight I, guy, and I feel bad of, for him. And, and I hope maybe the Batman is what does it for him. Yeah, but and, and you look at Kristen Stewart and her too. But you just feel like he's going the extra mile by doing these other roles. Yeah, that... There's a great um. See if you Google or YouTube like times Robert Pattinson like publicly mm-hmm. like made it clear he didn't like Twilight while he was promoting Twilight. There's like a good list of like a dozen like clips and stuff of <laughs> just like him. He's trying to get fired. Yeah, he's just he's yeah. saying things like, like, like why are they going to high school? Like he's just he's just like picking apart the plot and like pointing out all the things that don't make sense. He, and... He's clearly like, yeah, no, I did it for money. Yeah. I, I can yeah. respect that, right? Because yeah. let's be honest, wouldn't well, we all? <laughs> well, because even even during those times when he was off of Twilight, he was doing stuff like Cosmopolis and and uh, what was the 9-11 movie that he did with the chick from Lost? Oh, uh, Remember Me. Yeah, he was doing that stuff in between Twilight, which is so different. And I know this because friends of mine were very into Robert Pattinson, and they went and saw every movie he was in. Um, they did not enjoy Cosmopolis. It, t- it took a bit of time, but you sort of built up some indie work at this point between Lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've heard... he's, he's a big fan of lobster. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> he's, he's fond of the lobster, I think it was. <laughs> As we're going to see X, we we're talking, me and my brother talking about the Northmen, and I'm excited. He's like, Oh, did you see the lighthouse? I was like, No, I had the lighthouse described to me from my friends, and I don't think it's for me. <laughs> and he goes, You'll never look at lobster the same, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not a Matt movie, but yeah. I mean, so... for the experience, baby. Yeah, you should, you should see the lobster. Uh, see also, the my lobster. brother thought <laughs> I mean, the lobster is <laughs> also a good movie. I mean, the lighthouse. Also, no, I have seen the lobster. Um, my brother also thought something was. Oh, up with Colin Farrell was in the Batman. They should have been cracking jokes with each other. 
I should have. <laughs> Just lobster jokes back and forth. So wait, the lighthouse is in a different aspect ratio, right? Yeah, it's in uh, yeah. four okay. by three. I think like four three. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my brother thought something was up with his TV because um, <laughs> he didn't realize it. Uh, so yes. Joe, Joe is so funny though. Is it's like you know people obviously I talk about aspect ratios, but I've got like a running mm-hmm. thing almost at this point that I I am obsessed yeah. with aspect ratios. But I think it's so funny when you watch the lighthouse and it's in that aspect ratio. Within the first like five minutes of the movie, there's a shot of like him in the frame with the lighthouse in the background, and you see the full height of the lighthouse, and immediately you understand why this shape was picked for this movie. Like it does, it doesn't work otherwise, right? Yeah, it just like you can see it on the screen. Like if it was a wider aspect ratio. You'd ha- mm-hmm. if to, to get have the same height in the shot, you'd have to have a lot of empty space on the sides, and clearly he didn't want that. He wanted it to fit, like this mm-hmm. this core idea. And I was like, yeah, it makes sense. Like I can, you know, the justification for it's like right there within the first few minutes of the movie. So, yeah, there you go. Hey. Like, if you care about how comic panels are framed and why the artist chooses to have certain types of frame for each panel then aspect ratio discussion in movies equally has to be as valid. I don't mind aspect ratio discussion, just when it comes from you, I mind. <laughs> it's, not, yeah. it's not the package, it's the person delivering it. That's, that's yeah, what it, it is. It's, it's fundamentally, I agree with your point, but it's coming from you, so I want to argue. Yes, well, Connor got to be there for the two-hour aspect ratio lesson that we did for Patreon that one time. So We did, we did do that. Yeah. We had to do it twice because something happened to the recording and we had to do it a second time. This is true. <laughs> he had he had like slides prepared. I know. Oh my god, I did not know that you did it twice. I Holy know, shit. I don't know what the tech fault was, but for some reason it was unusable and it was and it, it, we knew it quite quickly as well. It was the sort of thing where as soon as we finished recording, like something froze and it was like, oh, Hopefully that's okay. Oh no, it's not. I think that was like just before, back when we used to have to like pause every hour to save it. Ah, yeah, yeah. Because if yeah. you went too long, it, it kind of hung up at the end and just crashed everything. I think that was just before we'd figured out that was that like rough hour limit. And because it was like two hours long, it was just like gone. Yeah, the whole thing was just done. Yeah. yeah. Uh... <laughs> Still though, that was a, an excellent piece of content that was made. Uh, for the it, it was a piece of content. <laughs> it's an excellent <laughs> piece of content. Uh, if I do say so myself. Um, <laughs> all right, I guess we can get into the comics. <laughs> Poor Matt, he's so tired. He's having to listen to this shit. That's okay. <laughs> I got a Bret Hart alert, and it was for something else. So oh, it's, it's, it's all the teasers of him coming in. And yeah, also... yeah, yeah. So I didn't know if something else came out, but now it's talking about how Goldberg robbed him of a fortune. Yeah, yeah. Because his contract so bad. got cancelled. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, he's about to get paid from EEW. It's fine. It's fine. He's got to. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. He, he's a legend in uh, Punk versus Dax this this Wednesday, past Wednesday. Fantastic fifteen minutes of wrestling. Mm-hmm. I agree. And the exchange on Twitter afterwards, which was just yes. Punk tweeting. I like Brett more, uh, and then Dax tweeting, no, no you, you don't. don't. <laughs> if, if we get a group out of this that's punk and FTR with Brett, I I won't be able to function. I'm just saying. So. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. We, also, we already have the Blackpool Combat Club, so I mean. We do? You know. Not a fan of the name. I, I still love their vibe. I just wish it was something a little bit cleaner. But, you know, 
Might be mad at Regal. I mean, you'll probably get used to that after time. Yeah. Still fresh. Um, So, so yeah. Mm. But hey. um, Hey, comics. uh, That's right. Let's get into the comics. So, starting off with Detective Comics 1058. This is uh, Muka Tamaki writing a manke in the hoolpin on the art. And it is the final part of the tower. Uh, the 12 issue saga comes to a close, as does the backup as well. We'll get to that in a bit, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, this uh, final issue jumps ahead and sort of gives us a lot of epilogue style stuff. Where Deb Which... is uh, kind of like summing things up for a news article and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, Do I else feel like we didn't really get a proper ending? We, we yeah. kind of cut straight to the epilogue. I felt like I was missing it. 100%. My biggest problem with this, and why I feel let down, is you in the last issue with um, with Nakano's wife putting on the Medusa mask, and then it's never addressed again. Like I'm sure we'll get to that at some point, but it feels like we we spent a lot of time building up with mm-hmm. this story, and there was no actual climax. It's just straight to the epilogue, and I feel like I missed because this stuff on its own is fine, but in context, Great. I'm like. Yeah, I, there's nothing. The ending? There's nothing bad about what anything that's in this issue. I think I think everything uh, in this issue is perfectly mm-hmm. good. If uh, this was the next issue, I think I'd you know I'd be, you know if we had like an even, actual conclusion issue and then this. The weird no, thing is, it, is I don't even think we need a full issue. I think because because the way the last issue, which was the Cano's wife putting on the mask, all mm-hmm. you really needed was one more page of showing all of the villains like falling asleep. And then you could literally right. jump ahead from there. Because that would show you how it ended. That would show you... Yeah, or her just it... yelling stop. Yeah. And yeah, everybody's like, stopping. And just, then... Yeah. One little thing. Just one little thing to show you the, the effect of that before we jumped ahead, I think would have been fine. Mm-hmm. So that was the, that's the one thing. Because I agree that the, it does feel like something's missing. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a whole issue. I would just say it's... Not a whole issue. It's very abrupt. Yeah. Um. I think so... even that, like... I think it needs more than just... Because while that does deal with that immediate in that moment i think it still probably needs like a like half an issue of like actual conclusion before we get sure. to this epilogue stuff and dealing with okay where's yeah you know, what's going on with psycho pirate afterwards i think now knowing that uh tamaki is co-writing the book still for the foreseeable future i do expect that maybe some of these loose ends will probably get brought up here or there as as other stories are playing out i would assume so yeah because, you know, this, this issue does set up Chase still working at the tower. And, and I think like that's, that. that is kind of part of my problem with this issue and retroactively the tower as a whole, in that it's a whole lot of build, it's a whole lot of setting up, it's a whole lot of, you know, teasing stuff to come, and there's not there's not a, a payoff at the end of this. I don't feel but like I've got a satisfying story in this 12 issues no, by the end. I disagree there, because uh, while I feel like the whole, you know, Psycho Pirate story wasn't ended probably, I do like the idea that because Doctor Ware was a was a con man, and that the whole idea of Arkham Tower can work in the right hands, but because you have this con man come in and you know did the whole Music Man thing trying to get the money, and then even, you know, even I don't I don't understand how Arkham Tower is like oh yeah we're just gonna keep it it's fine it works but how how does it work it's exactly like what's the defense against of Arkham Tower versus anything else now given that there is no person really there's no miracle cure there is no well no it's just now it's just an actual hospital like arkham right. but with like a proper person appointed to run it and, and, and right. chase. it always 
it always feels like Arkham itself is a cursed land. Like we got that in that um what was the Arkham City, City. book? Yeah. Yeah. So, but, um, so basically this is just okay, it's Arkham Asylum again, yeah. just with a new name. Well no, it's uh yeah, but instead yeah. of treating it like an asylum, they're treating it like an actual mental hospital, which I think goes a long way. I I, I think the fact that you Gotham. see a, a, a normal person, for lack of a better term, in the yeah. Canner's Wife going there for therapy kind of shows that it isn't just mm-hmm. a mental hospital now. It's something that where right. anyone Maybe, can go I, and get I, treatment. I, I just feel like it was, again, it's very, like, lack of justification of just, oh, yeah, this whole thing was a scam, but, ah, well, whatever, we'll keep it going anyway. It, it, that's, it seems so weird to me. Because there's a few well, things... I mean, that... what's the alternate, though? They tear it all down and send everybody back to... The husk of Arkham turn, turn it into a fancy apartment building and yeah I assume they would have sent them all back to their black gay cells like they were doing before which is where they moved them all out right. of right uh, I think so yeah uh, I mean there's some interesting stuff set up in this though because Psycho Pirates you know leaving and the people are hunting them and the Bat family kind of t- take care of Penguin's goons was... but uh, Batman does catch up to Psycho Pirate and basically offers them an option. We don't get to hear what it is, though, so obviously this is yeah. this is setting up some stuff for... I suspect for Williamson stuff more than anything with very, the very Dark Crisis. Yeah, very possibly. But, um, I, you know, I, I thought that was kind of a neat little tease. Um, it sets up there's going to be a Riddler story next. I don't think it's uh, that's on an accident that that's happening right as the movies just came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense. So, and I'm down for a Riddler story. But okay. I, I do like how it ended, too, because it did feel like, hey, this is the season finale, and this is the tease mm. for next season. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I like that kind of feel to it as well. And it went around all the characters. We had a Stephen mm-hmm. Cass scene, we had Huntress with Harley at one point. You know, we, we kind of hit on a lot of the characters. Yeah. Actually, one of the little details that I really like that they've set up is uh, this new base they've got in the Underground City. I actually really like this new like mm-hmm. cave they're using now. Yeah. You know, like, obviously, Batman still has... Hit, Actually, he doesn't have his Batcave because he's he's in the city in his apartment now. But yeah, yeah, this is just the Batcave now. But, the, but I like the idea that this is the team's cave rather than Batman's cave specifically. It's uh, mm. a cool setting. I don't know. I, I like it's, it. I like that it's it's underground. It's not the clock tower, right? But it's the same. It's vibe. Uh, reminiscent to me of the new base that the turtles get in the second Turtles movie, where they yeah. get the old subway station. The subway station. Yeah. yeah. A little bit like that. Damn it! Now you made me want to watch Secret of the Ooze. I haven't watched it in a while. John, it remind visually. It reminds me of, um, you know, like the uh, in the Arkham Asylum game. You know the 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 cave he has set up on there. Because sure, like, in yeah. that game, you know, he has his his thing is oh he has caves kind of set up all around just in case he needs one. So he has one on like you know under Arkham Asylum, and visually, kind of it reminds me a lot of that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think. I like everything that this issue like kind of does and sets up and it does kind of feel like because it is still Tamaki co-writing that Deb's still going to be a supporting character, that all these characters that we've used are still going to be relevant. Uh, may not see them all immediately, but you know, the fact that Kate's got this relationship with Deb now where they're giving each other information and you know, she's like, yeah, thanks, Fro. <laughs> like, you know, those kind of little mm-hmm. moments. Like, it's sort of establishing these connections that I think are still going to be a part of this book, which is really nice because, you know, it's, it is a shame when a run ends and a lot of that support system that's set up throughout a writer's run just disappears. So yeah. I think her still being there as a co-writer, whether or not she is scripting still or or co-developing the story and the other writer's scripting going forward, either way, the fact that she's still there probably means that a lot of this... The threads. Yeah, these, these these things and these characters and ideas and the world building that's been done is still going to be maintained for the next while, which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I dig that. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I mean, I, as far as the tower as a whole goes, I, I I do see what Connor's saying, and I do think there is something maybe a little missing between this issue and last issue. I, I I would say that overall, though, I still had a really good time reading it, and I think it'll be a really when you're reading Tamaki's run, I think it's going to be a really fun, quick read to go. You know, as far as twelve issues of a comic yeah. go, I think it's a quite what quick one to fly through and really easy to digest uh, for yeah. any faults it may have. Yeah, I, you know, there's a lot more. I would say out of the twelve issues, ten of them I would say are very good to really good. You know. Um, so yeah, that's that's a pretty good batting average. Yeah, I think I'm a a little bit more mixed than you guys overall. Even before this issue, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I had a few pacing problems as it went on. Um, again, I don't think those matter as much in the long run when you're just sitting and reading it in you know, one big chunk. But in terms of as single issues, I definitely had those issues. You know, those those problems as it went, and then you know all the all the scarecrow stuff and. Batman just showing up and kind of taking over the last couple of issues as well for me wasn't amazing. Yeah, Scarecrow was a, a an odd inclusion ultimately, but I did uh, appreciate him wanting the Psycho Pirate mask, and yeah. I, I like that they're keeping like the Bat family are keeping it secret, like what the cure was. Like they all know it was Psycho Pirate, but they are not right. revealing that to the public. Deb's not no. getting that information. No, because that's the one thing that they don't need in Gotham is that there was a mind control going on. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. No, that's good stuff. So, uh, yeah, it ends with a you know a big page where it teases the Riddler stuff. Uh, Riddler's broadcasting out into the you know, and again, that's very yeah. classic Riddler, uh, especially if you played the games, which is you know just Riddler talking to you through an earpiece mm. or so much. Glad, like. glad that he's uh, gold, good old Eddie's back on his bullshit. Oh sure, you know, yeah. Uh, so be curious to see what they do. It's going to be weird not having Detective every week again for a while, you know. Yeah, months. I, I, I feel like it's been. Constant, because this was the first thing I would read on a Tuesday. Yeah, me know? too. I was uh, reading this first for the last twelve weeks. Yeah, it was just like this constant yeah. thing that I'd start with. Mm -hmm. I think I don't think I did for the first few weeks, but after that, I did as well. I was like, "Well, it's there. I might as well just get it." You know, yeah. not, not, not in a bad way, but just more. Well, it's you always know, there, so it just became the the habit. And it's well, it's probably because when I started reading comics, fifty two was you know the weekly project, and I just I really like to associate DC with weekly books and it just feels nice to have that thing that's always there um and so when i you know you boot up the app and detective sitting there to download it was a good feeling yeah. i mean i i mean obviously there's a reason why you don't necessarily do this all the time because it would cost a fortune for a lot of oh, yeah. to be weekly and all that but like i'm not opposed if like let's say let's say tamaki goes another year in this book with a co-writer like if they decide to end or run with another thing like this where you know there's like a yeah a weekly couple of months or you know three months again in this case then as a finale like i'd be cool with that i think mm -hmm. i think they can get away with it on bat box they, they showed that with the the two batman eternal things sold yeah. reasonably well i think by all accounts yeah so i think as long as batman's in the name it, it sells well enough that they can they can they can stick it weekly and yeah it'd be fine and with detective especially and in action as well to an extent obviously for the same reason but with detective the fact that people want to have, if they've been collecting for a long time and they've, they've got their run of numbers, they do, they're going to want them all. <laughs> they, do, yeah. they don't want to miss out on like a, a chunk of the, the numbering. So, yeah. Uh, the backup story, of course, also concludes uh, with this issue, this 12-part backup story. And I thought the ending of this was very poignant and kind of perfect for what it was. Yes. And 
I really appreciated that the fact that they didn't have a name this whole time wasn't because it was going to be a reveal of who this really is. The point was going to be no one ever knew your name. You were not important. Yeah. I think in, in the last couple of issues where we'd kind of cut ahead pretty significantly, mm-hmm. I think it became clear, at least for me, that it wasn't going to be someone from the tower like we were speculating earlier. Yeah. Right. I, I think like, okay, this is, because this it was, is only going to end one way. Yeah, because it was a kid to start with, and it was, he was a kid for the first like two-thirds of all those stories, right. it kind of felt like he could turn out to be anyone almost. Uh-huh. But yeah, once we sort of jumped ahead, and now he's an adult, and we're sort of deep into the... I mean, we're kind of in present day time, more or less now, but um, yeah, it yeah, basically he has the standoff with Batman, and Batman he's got Joker there tied up. The Joker we saw in the last issue was Clayface. I don't know if we speculated that. I think I feel like we probably forced. no did we flip no no because we thought it was the kid dressed up. We thought it was um, him just we, dressed up as Joker. We didn't factor I mean, in Clayface. For it's whatever pretty much reason. the same idea, though, isn't it? The same it end like, result, yeah. yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so he wants to kill the Joker. Uh, and have Batman watch before for all understandable of, because Batman's to blame for letting him run rampant all these years and all the rest of it. But Batman makes his speech like the, the speech you expect him to make about becoming like just like him and doing better and I failed you all those kind of things. Uh, I will admit I did think his dialogue for Joker here uh was really funny because like the way like he just he just have him off panel say. Oh, he makes a good point. Like when he says, "Oh, Joker killed my family." <laughs> like he makes a good point. Oh, I, I don't remember doing that, but it sounds like me. So who might argue? It's Joker after being beaten and a little bit tortured. So he's a little yeah. bit delirious as well, and he still kind of comes out with this. Yeah, but yeah, because you get the vibe that that's exactly who Joker is, um, and it's it's not the non sequitur stuff. He's actually part of the conversation. Like I could read this in the Mark Hamill voice. Mm. I think um, it, Blanco you know, draws a relief. Like a, a scary Joker as well. Mm-hmm. That's just like you know, obviously some are a bit more clownish, but yeah. he's he's tied to chase. Essentially, you know, powerless. He can't do anything. Yeah. He he still just looks sinister in a way that yeah. sometimes the Joker doesn't, and that's quite impressive. Like there's the the panel where um, he's like, oh you know, you, know, you killed my parents. You know, do you remember that? And he's like, yeah, I don't remember. But it sounds like something I do. So I'll say a word for it. Yeah. He's he's just there in the sure, background. And he's got this grin, and it's, it just yeah. he just sounds. Yeah, I, I, I laughed at that. I laughed at the... He's got a good point, doesn't he, Batman? And I also laughed at when he's about to... When the, the kid's about to kill Joker with the axe, and Batman says, if you use that and someone use it on me, and Joker just goes, he really knows how to steal the spotlight, doesn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it, it's, you know, it's both very in-character, but also just funny in the moment as well. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's good stuff. Uh, and it's this really sad ending where the kid kind of agrees... To, to you know go along with what Batman's saying but then the penguin finds him in the sewers and it ends with his death and penguin says no like you weren't forgotten you call yourself the forgotten but no one ever knew who you were no one ever knew your name because you're not important um and he kills him and the, you know, the final panel of the book is the dead body of this character that we've been following this whole time uh, lying there in the sewers, and it is a really dark, bitter ending. That is like this is not a good story for this well, character. This is not this is not no. a heroic tale or anything. Because like it that. it seems triumphant with him getting like Croc and Clayface and Scarecrow, right? Part of the plan, but you know the other villain that was main part of his origin was Penguin, and Penguin doesn't forget. So you know the fact like. Penguin's held on to this, and he knows who he is. 
he's going to make it that no one else does. I, I thought it was super the, poignant. The tragedy of it, though, where he's just kind of come to terms with Batman after, yeah. you know, 20 odd years, whatever it's been. And Batman's like, you know what? Fine. You, know, you, you go do your thing, make a difference. Mm-hmm. And then and that, that's it. And, and now, you know, there's a, oh, will Batman forget him now? You know, well, he's like, oh, I wonder whatever happened to that guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it makes a really poignant message by the end, and I think the the idea that this is just a parable of someone who went through something awful in Gotham, and then by the end is just consumed by it. Even with the signs of hope and the right choices made towards the end of the story, it didn't matter. Like some something he did early on with the Penguin came back to bite him right mm-hmm. at the right at the end, and. You know, I say right at the end, he's still young. He's still a young man here. You know, he's like 20 yeah. or something. Like, I don't know what age he's supposed to be, but he's not an old man. Right. <laughs> uh, so it, it's a really... It's a really good study of, like, what the regular people in Gotham might go through. And right. just the turmoil they go through because of the, these costumes it's, people running around. I think it's the concept of you know, the, the whole, uh, you know, one bad day for, the, you know, continuing yeah. to joke. This, this is that, but sad. It's like yeah. one bad day doesn't doesn't make you into a villain necessarily. Well, no, and it's, it, and it, it's... It, it kind of makes you into just just what you could be in Gotham with one bad day. Is, is this instead of being you know crazy right. and evil, it just yeah, it makes you sad like this, right? You know, because he he fell through all the cracks and everything. Like mm-hmm. it's not like people were actively trying to mess up his life, but it was just. This you know circumstances. Yeah, and it all started with the Joker that. attack as well. So I mean, you could even right? like, this is this is the like obviously we have the obvious victims of the Joker who he kills mm-hmm. when he's doing his crazy stuff. But then you yeah. have this, which is someone who survived the Joker attack, and this is what their life has been, and it amounts <gasps> to not a whole lot, uh, sadly. Yep. Uh, so yeah, oh, the ending was perfect, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it it kind of elevated I think a lot of the story for me uh, with the, with this yeah. final beat. It's, it amazes me how, like at, at the the start of this, you know, you know, twelve issue series, you know, of the Tower, I was like, yeah, no, I'm really into the Tower. Like, hey, this backup's kind of cool too. And by the end, I'm like, no, this is this is probably what I'll remember more than the Tower overall. I I really like this. Like, I hope they collect this and like a, you know, I, I'm sure they will because lengthwise, it's kind of like a six issue trade, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that's the yeah, because they're all about ten pages each. So yeah. 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 So I'll make a nice little, you know, what was the name yeah. again? Uh, house of Gotham. House of Gotham. Yeah. I mean, like, just, here's a House of Gotham trade. Well, mm-hmm. it'd be really awkward to include it with the tower stuff because that's already twelve issues full right. of stuff. Yeah. That already might get split into two trades as it is. It may. It, it could go either way. If I was to guess, I would say they'll just put a big twelve issue trade just because, you know. Because with the releasing weekly, it was coming out so fast that it would... You, they like, might want to keep up. Yeah, yeah they'll, they'll force them behind otherwise. Yeah, it's, it's very possible. But, but I can definitely see this just being collected as just the House of Gotham. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. so too. That's how they get two trades out of it. They have the tower and they have House mm-hmm. of Gotham. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would say so far, because we have the complete story, this is, I think, Rosenberg's strongest work at DC. At DC, um, sure. sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, uh, this, I really like Task Force Z, we'll talk about that in a yeah. few. I think but this Blanco was, helps, right? Yeah, well, yeah, but I'm just talking story-wise, like, 
how this this kept its narrative throughout, right? By keeping on this kid, and you know, we almost got like a history of of Gotham throughout up until these last two, which kind of show what happens to the people. You know, it's I not. Think I always like when a writer can do something creative to explore world you know parts of the dc universe that we already know from more straight mm -hmm. you know batman superman stories whatever right. like, taking a character like this and building a story around them to sort of explore gotham explore some of the characters in gotham mm -hmm. is really fascinating to me and i also appreciate that sometimes it can kind of feel like when you have a story like this where we're going to go through the like all these things that touch upon the history of the continuity of gotham sometimes it can feel a bit cheap like a cheap way of like having the artist be able to draw like seminal moments from gotham's past mm -hmm. you know like this could have very easily turned into oh we'll show the famous page of of nightfall where bane breaks his back and we'll show the famous mm -hmm. page from this to, to show the artist there's a lot of to, you know. a lot of restraint in yeah. that, in that. Uh, we, we hit a lot of big moments in batman history but this is from the average person's perspective yeah well that's what made it exciting it kept that perspective yeah. which i think is important um you know this is not the people in the war room making the decisions this is just one person right. going about the city and what they're seeing from their mm -hmm. you know point of view and that that's exciting but also the fact that it wasn't just cutting to those big pages meant that we had fun like realizing what part of the timeline we were in every time yeah. it jumped like that i think almost all of it works if you weren't familiar with batman history anyway i think the only one that might be a little bit more awkward is the Azrael stuff mm. where if, if if like hypothetically if this was one of you know you're, you're giving this to someone as one of their first handful of batman mm -hmm. stories you know when this is a trade i think most of it functions perfectly fine like they'll pick up that yeah we're jumping through time but they won't necessarily you know click onto the events the Azrael stuff might be the only bit where they're like wait what's going on here who you know what's why why is batman so different um but other than that i think it does a great job of just not yeah. needing that context, but having it elevates it. For sure. Uh, mm -hmm. All right, that's uh, great detective comics then. Matt, what are you giving the main story? Uh, 7.5. Connor? Um, the main story gave me blue balls, so it's a 6. <laughs> I'm happy to give it the... I'm not going to... Yeah. Admittedly, you know what is, what should is they critique for having that little bit feeling like there's something missing? I suppose you would critique this one for that, but mm -hmm. nothing in the issue itself upset me. It was just I felt like something was missing between issues. Uh, all right, kill cool. and then back up, uh, Matt. Uh, eight point five. Okay. Uh, nine. Yeah, I'll probably eight point five. I'll be more restrained on it, but yeah, it was really good. It's probably, it's probably my favorite chapter of the whole backup series. Was this I... this last one? I still really enjoy the Bane one, where he, put, where he well, yeah, well, when he puts him up against Zaz and he's like, "Oh no, now it's fair." <laughs> like, yeah, just, just, just just lose the knife, Zaz, and then we're good. Yeah, mm. and you're like, uh, what, "What the hell, Bane?" And yeah, that one was really strong. But no, this is all, like Connor said, I end up looking forward to this more than the Tower, and I enjoyed the Tower for the most part. But House of Gotham was the main event for me. And barring those. Not this issue, actually. I think this issue was fine, but the, the last two before this where Blanco mm. had a couple of little you know, yeah. panels here or there that mm. were a bit funny and rushed, I think it's, you know, very consistent, you know, to have that, you know, mm -hmm. that art the whole way through. 
Yeah, and credit to the tower, the way it broke down the, the like three thirds into an artist each, I thought worked quite well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, props to the uh, to the editor who yeah. organized that and got them all ahead of because, schedule and got the deadlines sorted. Because it was never going to be easy. It was never going to be realistic to have one artist for all twelve issues, and I think the traditional way this would have probably happened is they'd have been rotating through the three artists, where you know issue one is is Rainer, issue two is the Hilpin, issue three is Reese, and then. Yeah, this will probably feel more jarring in a trade, I think, when you switch Maybe, really suddenly. Yeah. But reading it, you know, like week to week and you're essentially monthly is like, here's a, here's a month of each artist, I think felt pretty consistent to us now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I preferred this over them just rotating through the three or four artists they might have used otherwise. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, all right. Action Comics 1041, Philip Kennedy Johnson writing with Dale Eaglesham and Will Conrad on the art. So this is an issue off for mm-hmm. uh, Federici. Which yeah. is, uh, one, slightly disappointing because I really like Federici. But yeah, two, but... justified in that it does follow it's a, different focus. a different thread. Yeah, yeah, it's a different focus, different character we're following. It's mm-hmm. kind of, it's Midnighter through various parts of this story. And... Yeah. Joe, you know, it's funny because I started this issue and I, you know, I read a couple of pages and I'm like, okay, okay, like, this is interesting, but I'm not so sure. Like, I, I sort of like, got a little less excited about the issue after the first page mm-hmm. or two because I was like, oh, we're following Midnighter. This is, you know, I've been loving this book and this is really just not as good <laughs> as what I wanted from it's it. Midnighter. Right. But then <laughs> after a few more pages, when it got to the point where it was kind of contrasting how he's fighting this versus how Superman's mm-hmm. doing it. And it was like him clashing with the people who are starting to believe in Superman. Because the other part of the, the the comic is that we hear some of the Thelosians telling stories of Superman and starting to spread stories yeah. of he's going to be the one that saves us. Like he, you know, they tell a story of him fighting Doomsday. And I was sort of reading like that narration before they, re- they showed the page of him fighting Doomsday. And I was like, wait, are they talking about Doomsday? This sounds like Doomsday they're talk- describing. Mm-hmm. And then you mm-hmm. get to the next page and it is Doomsday. But notably in their version of it, Superman's wearing all this armor <laughs> as he's fighting yeah, yeah, Doomsday. Yeah. <laughs> So, so there's obviously some things are being muddled in like history or translation or whatever. But uh, That's storytelling, isn't it? It's yeah. Embellishment. Yeah. But yeah, so it's basically Midnighter's going around, and he but he's actually killing you know the war zones, and he's trying to inspire people. He inspires in particular this one woman who at first is like pissed at him for breaking her chain because he thinks he's freeing her, of course, and she's like, I I earned these these chain links. I I, I fought for these. I killed many for these. And he's yeah. just like, screw you, you don't need him. No, yeah. you're you're dumb for believing in that. And so that's what I like about how different he is than Superman, right? Superman listens to these people, and he's like, well, to get through to them, I have to understand why, and just breaking their change isn't going to change anything. Whereas Midnighter's like, nah, that's dumb. What you believe is dumb. We're getting you out of here. Well, I'm getting out of here. Y'all well, I, do what you want. I, I particularly like the way he phrased it, though, uh, where he said... You know, you're you're sitting there saying how tough you are because of the change you have. Well, I'm saying, show me what you can do without it to prove how yeah. tough you are. Like, yeah. you know, like I, I really like that sentiment. Uh, and yeah. this actually does inspire her. She picks up a sword and follows him. Then next time we see him, mm-hmm. she's like fighting alongside him, um, and she's wearing a Superman crest as well. Uh, so like this. Even though it doesn't follow Superman, it actually did a good job of like showing the effect Superman over time. Because uh, we keep jumping ahead in time. Like this is like. Basically, what Midnighter's been doing throughout all the the story mm-hmm. so far, and maybe a bit further ahead as well, and we we hear these different people talking about Superman, and we're seeing some of them adopt his symbol, and things like that. 
so no it's good fun stuff um it really continues to spread the idea that's been spread about superman yeah uh, i like that midnighter rips a dude's head off and throws it at another dude yeah he's just like jeez well, it's, yeah. it's the timing as well, because isn't that right after someone says Superman would not kill these people or someone yeah. like that, and then he just rips this dude's head off? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, the point the, towards the end where he just like flips out and goes, oh, I'm so sick of being compared to Superman. Oh, yeah, because he, he says, the, the Batman comparisons, like, yeah. they're annoying, but this is just insulting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, nah, there's, there's some good moments in here uh, that kind of flesh them out a little bit. Uh, but the big thing towards the end is that Midnighter is determined to go save Apollo. That's all he really cares about to the point where he isn't like they are the Thalosi in there is like, look, the smarter play here is to wait until we have enough people that we may actually stand a chance of winning. Plus, taking Apollo away might break down all of the war world and just kill like lots of people. Like you know, all the people who are supposed to be helping save may die by doing this. And he's too headstrong, he's too determined to do what he wants to do. But he's faced with this choice where it turns out that uh, Mongols sending like a, a kill squad to kill a bunch of the the, the notlings and stuff in the cells, particularly the ones that Superman uh, cares about. And it's like, okay, he's got this moral choice now. Where ultimately he talks a big game. He's the angry guy. He's a Batman who kills, which makes him the perfect counterpoint to like sort of contrast with Superman and how he's handling mm-hmm. things. But ultimately, when he's faced with this choice, it's like it's left in this cliffhanger of like he really kind of needs to make the right call here and go and save lives like that's what he has to mm-hmm. do he has to do the, the selfless thing that that's uh, what they're here for right yeah. like they came to to free war world and stuff but you know you, you can't the more people you kill it's not gonna make them more free yeah uh, and i do like how how different it is where again superman's all about compassion and you know we got to make them believe because if they believe it then they'll have something to fight for and Midnighter has this almost nihilistic. Just like, get the well, job done. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing it, matters. I'm I'm here to save my guy, and you're with me or you're not. And it's right uh, when he's you know forced to make this choice where it's not you're not really mm-hmm. sure if he's going to make the right choice where he says mm-hmm. you know without Superman and then you just hear the voice you're not without and him. This this is kind of if I remember right where we kind of left off last issue where he was gonna you know ignite the the engine core yeah the, mm. the the city and Superman was like no 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 it's too soon for that yeah. So this is kind of that point there. So we kind well, of caught back up to where we were. And, and the fact where that Superman seems to, because he appears from above. Yeah, he can fly right? again. So he's got, uh, yeah, he's got some so powers he's, here. He's mm. got that. In, in the last issue, we had, you know, that whatever is powering Warworld also recharged him. So, you know, this is a little bit after that. So now it might be time to blow the core. Yeah, 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 I think by the end of the issue we're a little more advanced. You know, and the big, big final mm-hmm. page is Superman charging in with Midnighter and the others to help yeah, save the prisoners. Buck, buckler shield. Kind of looks cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I like that Midnighter's wearing a red cape throughout this as, you know, he's as he's fighting. Um, he's at the end, yeah. Yeah. Um, and but we also have Omac turning because we had that, you know, in order to save seemingly. Light Ray. Well, yeah, seemingly. Yeah. But, because he's got this you know, mask on, and it's it's a question of like, is this mask helping control him, or is he just like right. biding his time until? Right, because Omac wants Light Ray back, and um, looks like they flipped, and Natasha confronts them. So yeah, there's still still threads going on through this, but but yeah, man, Gladiator Superman, I just 
It looks so rad. That was one of the only pages where I was like, oh man, I wish that was Federici. Yeah, right? Sure, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I mean, the artist change at least is handled well enough and it's a different perspective. And I assume mm. Federici's back next issue. But I think so. And yeah. it, it does give a slight feeling of this kind of being the, the break issue, right? Of like, uh, this is the, the uh, I'm not trying to put this out, I think it's still a good issue. But this is the quote-unquote non-essential issue of the, uh, this isn't the main story, this is some side stuff that, you know, it's, uh, you know, extra, extra reading material, so to speak. Whereas Federici stuff, this is the main story. And it's like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll do some other stuff for now while we'll let them catch back up. And it, it makes it feel a little less important than it maybe should be. I do think that by the end of the issue, though, I think the contrasting of, like, Midnighter's attitude, because I, I think having Midnighter go around like this vicious asshole just killing things and not thinking it through like Superman is, mm-hmm. I think all of that just helps to prove why Superman is right. And, mm-hmm. you know, so there's value in the issue. I think I think it comes at the right time. Uh, admittedly, I'm excited to see Federici back on the next issue. And, yeah. You know, yeah. Do all the stuff. So, um, but yeah. That's good stuff. I assume the one read the backup. No, no. Yeah, yeah. So we we have that doomsday story, and then there's another story that they recount about the radiant dead. Yes. And the queen, and they're talking about green knights. And I don't know what what it's from, but that Superman looks very Frank Quitely-esque. Yeah. So I don't remember this though, and it seems like it's a Green Lantern Superman story, because uh, they're bringing out how the green knights knew the the weakness for the radiant queen. I've Googled those terms. I can't find anything. So, I mean, is this a story? If you guys know, let me know at least. Yeah, um, I, uh, obviously, like, everyone pretty much will recognize the Doomsday one, which is why, why that's the one I brought yeah. up. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I didn't know what the story was referring to, so I just um, kind of took it as a note. Maybe, or, maybe, or is this is Johnson it, creating one? Yeah, is, it, is this know? him hinting at something that he's going to do, like, an annual of later where he tells a story? Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, uh, like, that, like that scratchy kind of slightly faded colors on that story of it like i say that it, the super it looks like a frank quietly superman yeah and i think it looks great it's probably one of my favorite pages in the uh in the issue which is mm-hmm. in terms of just on the art uh which doesn't say the rest of it looks bad because as much as i'm going oh man i wish it was federici this this is still good art oh, yes. that, so. uh all right uh what you give it action comics matt uh 8.5 connor I'm a little bit lower with just an eight, but it's still pretty great. Yeah, I'll agree with a straight eight. I think the art's not as good as it normally, and it's not bad, but like, it does feel a little more house style, I guess, uh, than it typically has done. Yeah. So, I'll I'll say that. All right, there you go. Um, Robin, issue twelve. This is Joshua Williamson with Roger Cruz on the art in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um. And we had the cliffhanger from last time, which obviously was quite exciting, was Damien wanting to go and resurrect Alfred. That was a kind of the big deal at the end of the last issue. Um, and we do get to that in this, although it doesn't start off immediately dealing with that. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a little bit of Robin saying good- goodbye to Connor Hawk and kind of uh, the, just like, Talia, Raz, all that stuff playing out. And, uh, you know, I did get a good chuckle of, like, her being like, no, we're taking Damien with us. And then Damien's already stolen her ship. Yeah, uh, yeah. Tis- Still in the airship, you know. I the keys in. Big ass airship as well. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's just it's it's one of those things I always like though is the 
the ice effect on the speech bubble to like show uh-huh. like how pissed they are because it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I always enjoy that in a, in a comic. Uh, as long as it's not overused. Uh, so, yeah, so Damien goes to Gotham, he goes to Alfred's grave, he whips out his little, you know, Lazarus resin veil. Um, but then, and then course, has a fight with himself. Yeah, there's like yeah. sort of evil Robin shows up, and it's kind of like, and it's like he's just hallucinating basically because he's just yeah. the, it's the knock-on effect of him going through the Lazarus pits and whatnot in the last arc. Um, and at least I'm a bit disappointed by that scene. Sure, I'm. I don't mind it because of what I feel it's setting up for Shadow War. I, I think, There'll be more of that in Deathstroke Inc. I think the um, problem is if if we're setting up, he's hallucinating it, and why are we not using? The Alfred that we set up that he was talking with earlier, but like a slightly more physical manifestation of Alfred mm. and not make it into a fight scene for the sake of this issue having a fight scene. Because so so for me it's not about the fight. It's he's at odds with the Al Ghul part and the Wayne part. And because he's spent all this time and he has seen the relationship with Tali with well, his grandmother to Roz and then Roz to Talia, and now Talia to him, it feels like He's always going to be at war with I, this. I, I get that justification. Did he need to be kicked into the grave? Absolutely not. I, That's I, where it goes a little I, too I think far. my problem is I, I felt editorial going, this issue needs action. We need a fight scene in sure, here. Sure. And that, it could that's be. the reason why it exists, because there's but no other I, action in there. Yeah, I don't I don't mind the inner turmoil aspect of it being represented yeah, in the I, fight. I kind of agree with Connor here. Um, <laughs> but, but, like, I get the justification... But him hallucinating and seeing like an evil Robin felt really out of nowhere to me when when he when he walked out and I was like, oh, I guess we're doing this now. And then I liked what came after it, and I kind of like mm-hmm. you know what, what else it does. I love Talia not liking his new girlfriend and him being like, well, tough. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I like her. Uh, and then of course the ending, you know, teasing the 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 direction that's going in with Flatline giving um the heart Lord Deathman, yeah, to Lord Deathman, uh. I just love how maniacal this is. Just that's why I love that Williamson fully goes for it. So for all the stuff that didn't work for you guys, like the you know, him skeletal. fighting the evil version of himself, there's Lord Deathman holding up a heart in a jar. Oh yeah, I loved the last page. It was you just it's I mean? stupid, and I do love that. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was just the other Robin showing up. It felt like a bit of a weird. No, I know, but pivot to I fully love that Williamson's just swinging for fences with stuff like this. You know, it's just um, it's 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 a frustrating issue for me. This one in that there's a lot. Of, ideas that it plays with i like all the flatline stuff mm-hmm. i like the uh, yeah the idea of you know of what it's doing with damien and talia like that relationship that they're going to be redefining mm-hmm. but then at the same time you've got the, the the hallucination of the other robin um i wasn't obviously too hot on there's the the whole thing where he he's immediately like no of course i'm not going to resurrect alfred i've seen what it does but then mm-hmm. why did you bring the thing to the grave in the first place it feels like it if it just was a little bit contrived for the sake of having these scenes if you've already reached that conclusion well actually i don't True. think he'd already reached the conclusion i think the fight with the other robin is supposed to be what makes him realize that he'll come back I don't think it makes that very clear. I agree, but fight. I think that's the point. I think that's why yeah. he just decided yeah, I mean, especially, especially with what we find out in another... Is it in this one? Hold on. Yeah, it's in the epilogue here. Yes. Um, yeah. What we yeah. find out about yeah, the Yeah, I said, I said the heart thing was the last page. Yes, technically, it was, a, it was like yeah. two more pages. There's an epilogue, because, yeah. Because there's, there's all ghoul stuff that takes place in Deathstroke, Inc. And so... Um, you couldn't remember where it was. 
I couldn't remember where this popped up at because it's all Shadow War adjacent. Sure. So, yeah, um, the, the actual last page is um, basically Raz Al Ghul's mother saying, oh, like, you've went through those Lazarus pits too many times and it's, you know, it's infected you and you're dying. Uh, so that's kind of the big... Yeah. I, 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 in concept, I like it explains why he's gone all hippie. Yep. Um, and, and kind of rather trying to make peace with himself. Right at, mm -hmm. at this point, you know, like kind of is what we've seen so far in this book that makes sense. It lines up with that. Mm -hmm. So I'm intrigued by that. I I really hope by the end of Shadow War, it doesn't just revert to, oh no, he's fine again. Lazarus pits have been restored. He can use them again. So no so, do you guys remember Resurrection of Razal Ghul very well? It's been a while, but oh. yeah, it's been so, a long so, time. Yeah, so I feel like where this is going because they're talking about this demon. Right, and that basically Laz, uh, Raz has corrupted it because he brought his science to deal with magic, and that's why it's killing him, right? There's diminishing returns for these. But the whole point in Resurrection Raz al Ghul was that the the Lazarus pits are just a means to an end, is that Raz has actually mastered spiritual resurrection, and the whole point of Robin, of Damien being created, was he was meant to be a vessel for Raz. Mm. And uh, eventually... One of his, you know, bastard kids is the. If that, that's all canon, is who Roz is inhabiting now? Yeah, if, right? if you didn't know, this was the original Palpatine story. I mean, kind of, right? Somehow, like Roz has returned. Wrong. Right, and so, um, but yeah, so here it just it feels like it's kind of like we're gonna be getting away from the Lazarus bits, especially with all this Lazarus resin running around. Everything just. It, it feels like right now there's something big that's going to happen with the Lazarus bits. Um, I wouldn't be especially with the... they, they cut it down to, oh, there's only one again or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it definitely feels like they're redefining the relationship with the with, with the Waynes and, you know, the, the bat side of the family and the all ghouls. And now, you know, we're talking about Destro Gink and Shadow War, how Slade Wilson's involved in all this now. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, so... <laughs> I definitely think there's going to be a restructuring of Raz, so I don't think it's going to be a reset like Connor's worried about. At least I hope not. But I do think it's going to get to some kind of status quo. I think my concern right now is I'm not been too hot on Williamson, mm -hmm. and I'm I, I know he he's very much a student of Jeff Johns, not in the yeah. literal sense, but in the you know he's he's very clearly inspired by him. Yeah, and. I'm I'm worried he's going to take maybe that a little too literally and like take a leaf out of the John's playbook and be like, well, let's just reset the status quo again. And yeah, definitely don't want that right which, now. Which I understand because I don't, I don't want that either. I I like Hippie Raz. I hope we can get you know, you know him at peace and him learning that he doesn't need the Lazarus pits or whatever, you know, um, and that he can ascend or whatever. Because um, now we have Talia right in that spot. Yeah. So, um, but we'll see because. I went from being kind of middling on Shadow War to now being like, okay, anything can happen in this. It, I have literally no idea what what's going on, and I and I like that. So especially with with this almost as a prelude. Hmm. Yeah, I'm very go, going to Shadow War pretty cautiously. I would say. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm not. I'm not particularly excited. I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I wouldn't say I'm not excited. I wouldn't say mm -hmm. I'm. Like dreading it either. I, I'm kind of just. Oh, that, that, that issue, that alpha issue, can come out next week and completely be a wet fart. I'm gonna be very <laughs> upset. But I don't think it's going to be. You know, 
Well, I just don't know what to expect out of it now. What what exactly is the, the point? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, at least when, you know, Raz somehow returned, like, how many people are involved in, like, the comic book chain of command that could have vetoed that because it was too stupid versus how many people mm-hmm. in the chain of command of the $300 million movie <laughs> that could have vetoed it at some point and said, this is stupid. Yes, I mean, have you ever seen any of us defend that line? <laughs> no, I'm just... Uh, it was just an interesting comparison because I'm like, well, you got a writer and an artist, like an editor, and, like, if none of those veto it, then... <laughs> yeah, but Raz is better than the Emperor, so... I agree. Yeah, I probably agree as well. Batman's better than Star Wars. I also would say that, but that's that's mm, you know, let's not go that far. That's fine. Uh, what are you giving Robin, Matt? I'm gonna give this a seven point five. Connor, it's got ideas I like. I really like the start and end of the issue, but that middle section's a bit murky. So I'm gonna have to give it like a six. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of feel the same, although probably not quite as harsh on the number, so... Uh, I will say... I'll say a straight 7. I think I like what it's doing with the characters and what it does at the start and the end enough that I won't let that fight drag me down too much, but I do agree that it kind of just felt like we needed the fight scene, so... Mm-hmm. Hey, here's one. So, there you go. Task Force Z, issue six, Matthew Rosenberg, writing mm-hmm. with Jackson Herbert. Yeah, not, not Barrows. Yeah, I guess you need one off at least. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, five or six issues, then a then a break sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, not that the not that it falters. I mean, I think the art still works pretty well. Sure. It's just not Barrows. Yeah, um, I was really confused for the first couple of pages of this, because I missed the caption that said months ago, and I thought we... Oh. Had, I was like, how is this happening? What's going on? <laughs> uh, so, uh, but barring that, uh, interesting issue which sets up that Bloom's heavily involved in like the creation of this place, and mm-hmm. uh, kind of betrayed the people who were working on it before. And go- if I have a critique, is that this senator who gets involved looks far too like Commissioner Gordon to not constantly think it's Jim Gordon. I was like, why yeah. did you make him all of this? Why does he have the same coat? Why does he have the same mustache and hair and glasses? Why are you doing this? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. Yeah, so that was an odd choice. I thought that was a really yeah. odd creative choice, but um, but, you know, the actual debates of what to do now, uh, of them dealing with uh, KG beast trying to blow them up so like they get freeze to make a wall of ice like that's just some fun action mm-hmm. stuff early on yeah. uh, but the, the the main sort of gist of things being that in the flashbacks you see that you know that, like this senator goes to Two Face to start this because Bloom goes to the senator and offers him a bunch of money because he wants this to to happen and. That leads to again going to Waller to like sort of get, get make this legit and make Task Force Z an actual thing, but at the end of the issue when they go to Waller's office, she's went AWOL, and as a result, there's no one who can vouch that they're an actual organization that's government affiliated. So they just look like a bunch of crazy people now, and uh, we'll see how that goes. But Jason Todd is really determined to help bring down the the villainous side and in particular deal with Bloom, mm-hmm. and. He has a big confrontation with Batman, who shows up chasing them halfway throughout the issue, 
and he demands, no, let me go with this team, let me see this through, and deal with this. I'm asking you to trust me. Uh, he, he talks to Batman like a father figure and makes it very clear that that's what he is to him. Um, and you've got, like, Freeze, Bane, and Two-Face behind Batman, just sort of being like, yeah, yeah, we're working with, with Jason here. <laughs> Let, let's do the thing. I love the... So he's like, you know, you're, you're asking me to trust you, but you're running around with Bane and Freeze and Two-Face. Right? And this is what you're gonna... You, I can't do that. And Batman's kind of monologuing towards Jason. And then Two-Face steps up behind him and is like, look, we didn't... I know you don't trust me. Batman's just like, shut the hell up. <laughs> like, I've had enough. I just... I really love how just pissed Rosenberg writes Batman here. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, part of my favorite line of the whole issue is in the flashback where they take, um, it's like Two-Face, the senator, and like, the fish guy they resurrected. Fi- yeah, Fishman. There you go. Uh, they take Fishman to Waller, and Waller just casually refers to Fishman as uh, this thing that Aquaman's mistress have aborted. <laughs> The wall takes no prisoners. Yeah, that was that was a really funny dark line. Um, so so also in this, like, it's revealed that the reason that the Lazarus resin works so well for them is that it was also developed by Resurrection Man. Yeah, he's in the first flashback. Yeah, yeah. And that's who the clones are of. Is the sisters are all clones of of him, um, and that's why they're able to this this resin works so well versus as we've seen other in other places the lazarus juice not working not so much yeah not working so well uh that was Um, interesting i I like that wrinkle yeah because i actually my only real familiarity with resurrection man is that i read the first few issues of Eugene 52 series Mm -hmm. so i had a basic understanding of who he is but i i I thought it was an interesting pull uh to pull in this Mm -hmm. fairly obscure character so yeah, uh, basically, okay, Bloom's been behind us all along, Bloom's responsible and he's got some sort of endgame in mind, so that's who we have to take down. So, yeah, uh, that's where they end the issue, they said they have to go kill Bloom. Um, it, was an, it was an interesting series of flashbacks to get, though, and get this context of how this all started, yeah. and seeing that Bloom is, is it was really been manipulating this the whole, and it kind of felt like he was up to something before, but now it's like, no, yeah. he was manipulating this from day one. <laughs> and I love how he... he... Shows his hand at first by just mixing a bunch of chemicals in the lab, and it creates an explosion, and that's how he makes his first escape. Um, so I wonder what his game is uh, here. And I also like that Waller bringing it to to Harvey because she's like, "Hey, you're the poster child for second chances, all right." And what's more of a second chance than getting a second life? I think um, one of my favorite little moments is just when they're in the the van driving back to base, and the Batmobile shows up behind them. I kind of just like that because we're following Jason and this group of misfit mm-hmm. villains and they're our main characters, I kind of like just this moment where I think it's Two-Face is one of the others like turns to Jason and just goes, all right, well, like, you're close to him. Like, how do we deal with this? <laughs> like, do we pull mm-hmm. over and talk to him? <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I kind of like this perspective of Batman showing up isn't, oh, the hero's here to save the day. It's like, oh no, he's this obstacle to our main characters who do have mm-hmm. a relatively legit thing they want to go do. It's not... Yeah, they're not up to no good. So, so we can assume that Freeze then definitely fell down that massive shaft in the uh, tower, and now that's how he's led it himself to Task Force Z. Oh sure, yeah, you could probably assume yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, um, which which is pretty funny. Um, but yeah, there's them having to deal with Batman. Yeah, yeah that was funny. Actually, that reminds me. In the Robin issue, it mentioned it was set before the tower. 
And mm-hmm. I guess it was just because the tower was there without any damage, so it was just making clear, oh, this is yeah. before that story took place. But I, right. on, in recollection, I was thinking, like, they didn't really have to specify. Nothing happened that would no. contradict anything that was going on. But yeah, right. Yeah, it was just him. Well, I mean, they really didn't need to because it could have been after the tower, too. Yeah, because they fix it up. So, whatever. Yeah. 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 But, uh, so. yeah. But, so. yeah, no, this is it's a, fun a little, lot of fun. It's a fun little comic, yeah. That, that it does a mm-hmm. decent job of making me like the characters including jason although i did like that jason pointed out that he'll never live up to bruce or dick i like that he specified dick too because yeah. well he is he's the ultimate middle child you know he'll never he's wedged between dick and tim and, you know and dick is like the heart of the the dcu tim's more like bruce than anybody and that leaves jason as the literal red-hooded stepchild so <laughs> red-hooded you know. stepchild very nice that was pretty good, actually. Nice. Thank you. Yes. And then Damien's the demon spawn. Yeah, yeah literally. <laughs> it's, it's in his name. Ironically, Damien is the, the foster child. Yeah. So he's he's the, the, the one with the troubled background. Despite, he should do some good. Yeah, despite having the only biological link to Bruce. Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 Hence the irony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. All right, Matt, what are you giving Task Force Z? Uh, I mean, this one an eight. All right. Uh, I think I'll go with a seven point five. Uh, I, the, the, the only real critique I would say is that there's a couple of pages where I turned the page and went, "Oh, that's a lot of speech bubbles." Yeah, there was definitely a few times where yeah. I went, "Oh, geez, okay, a bit packed." So maybe a bit dense in the layouts in mm-hmm. some cases, but you know, uh, it's a solid, fun read. I've been enjoying my yeah. time with that book. Uh, Deathstroke Inc. Issue seven. Matt's the only one who's been, you know. <laughs> It hurts to know that we have to read this next month. <laughs> it has taken seven issues for this to finally figure out what it's about. Oh, okay. Um, tell us. What's it about? Is it about right, something so, good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I did enjoy this issue. Uh, art by Steven Segovia, which I believe did some of the Deathstroke stuff with Priest. Um, uh, I don't know. Mm, it's my don't, no. don't know. Either way, so Segovia is someone that I always associate with DC. So hmm. this felt like very familiar. It was that. De- it was definitely on like it was pretty much constantly showing up in books early in Rebirth. I thought for sure. Yeah, I remember seeing okay. his name a lot. I think he was doing Green Lantern issues, maybe. Okay. Stuff. So I think the odd this... Superman stuff with Kamasi. Yeah, maybe. Okay, maybe that. So this this gives you the origin of Respawn. So of course Slade catches Rose and Respawn coming in, and at first Slade you. Know, thinks that it's Damien, and he's like, you got a lot of nerve wearing those colors. He's like, and you know, the last time you showed up here, I owe you a beating. You know, because the reference when um, they thought that somehow it got leaked, I can't remember exactly, in Priest Run, that Damien might actually be Slade's son and not Bruce's son. That was in the uh, Deathstroke versus Batman. Yeah, and that's where I fell off, because it was Mm. getting so hard to Mm -hmm. keep everything straight, so... And and Rose is like, no, you don't understand. It, it's not Damien. And he pulls off the hood, and it looks like Damien, but mixed with Slade. And so it's like, okay, you gotta. This is what's going on. And turns out, Respawn is a clone of Slade, and and the Al Ghul bloodline. But which which did leak, and we all read the leak. Like, right, which was ago, just, just to... <laughs> that it was a clone of Slade, right? Yeah, yeah. Not, not the added that it's basically. So this is a little he's... bit more Connor Kent. 
Kind of. He's but he's like Damien, right? Where Damien's Wayne in all goal because that was chosen to be a, you know, the the next heir. So this is um, this is Al Ghul and Wilson, is what you're saying? Yeah, and you come to find out that when no, I don't, I don't know. Many pies. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how far you guys got into Greg Rucka's Lazarus, right? But I didn't get too far. I didn't love it. He got gotcha. than me, I think. So with with uh, Williamson, it very much feels like that's how they're treating Damien, is that Damien was meant to be like, he got all the best tutors to learn how to fight and the learning, and he got the silver spoon because he's a Wayne in an all-goal. Well, this Wilson all-goal respawn was kind of just used for parts. So, because... so basically they were like, eh, Wayne's better than, than Wilson. Well, because at the he wanted to, Roz wanted to make, create an army because he wanted Deathstroke's DNA because of the healing factor and all the other skills, the precognition. Um, but he didn't want to wait for it, right? So he created this other uh, clone. And then anytime Damien got into a scuffle and needed something, a, an organ or whatever, they would operate on, on Respawn. And this is why Respawn took a hatred of, of Damien into the Lazarus tournament. And everything, as I'm describing it, feels very hokey. But the way that it's handled through the book, that you have Respawn explaining this to Slade, as Slade is setting up his own, like, he doesn't know if, you know, he, like, the Stealthstroke Inc. that he's setting up, the Secret Society, almost feels like it's filling out the gray area, in that on one side you have the heroes, on the other you have the villains. And it's just beyond money. It's like almost like you have these people that are just constantly doing whatever they want, and you need to hold... Someone needs to hold them accountable. So as Slade tells, or as Respawn's telling the story, you know, gets to the end of it and was like, well, I'm sorry for bringing him here. I didn't know this is what it would do to you. And he goes, no, that's my son. Thank you for reuniting your family. And I was like, well, no, what, what do you mean? I'm not trying to do that. I just thought you should know. Um, and he brings Respawn into the secret society and you know rose takes off and at the end uh slade brings up um lex and how a lot of the infrastructure in the secret society came from from luther and it brings up the stuff that happened in batman with batman inc and it ends with luther in modernesia and going to talk to the um uh legion of doom and that Cheetah has tipped them off uh, of what Slade was up to from the earlier issues. Um, and that Slade let Luther know that he doesn't have his precognitive abilities anymore. And that there's a darkness coming. And that Luther now lets them know that Slade's vulnerable, everyone's vulnerable, because the darkness is coming. So this at the end of this, this ties in the... the Slade stuff and the Luther stuff into the Great Darkness, uh, or the Darkness Crisis, Dark Crisis, whatever it's called. <laughs> that that's it's coming. Dark Crisis, but it's not. It's not a hard thing. Darkness Crisis, whatever. It was meant to be the Great Darkness, like with, and then it's taking its own thing. So, um, I I surprisingly really like this issue. I I liked the like this book. Still doesn't know what it wants to be. It's still just in service to other books. Like, again, this is the Tom Taylor Bendis kind of thing where 
Williamson's just telling this big story over the books that he's writing. Um, but more closer to Taylor, it's it's fitting uh, than what Bendis was doing. Uh, and but whereas Robin had its very own, this is Robin's relationship with Talia and and Bruce and him striving for his own relevancy. Strongy is just kind of there. It's almost just the catch-all. But you know, Respawn recounting his origin and how he wants to bring down Roz and people like him because you know. They don't care. They don't have to pay the consequences. It's people like Respawn that have to, which fits very much in with what Slade's saying with the Secret Society when he took out Calculator, and it and all just fits very well. So um, I'm, you know, don't know how much longer this book can go because like after Shadow War, kind of like what's I guess it depends on how how Shadow War ends, right? Like, um, well, we established it had a new writer after Shadow War, right? I don't remember. Sure, that I'm was gonna take your word last week. Um, sure. So we'll 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 see how much longer it lasts after that. But yeah. So, um, I'm gonna do seven point five. Cool. Forgive me. I was a little bit distracted there for a second. You're fine. <laughs> seven point five. Not not paying attention to Matt. That's fine. I was I'm getting ready to put on hockey, so I, I, was, I, was, I was wondering if you were watching or not. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm going to. Hey, Martinez is back. I saw. So that's not. That's not an invitation to talk about hockey. That's not. That's not. It's too late. It's already started. No, no, no. It's not happening. Stop it. I am actually just checking if there is a new team on Deathstroke Inc. Because it's it's bugging me. There is. Ed Brisson is taking over after Shadow War. Uh, oh, that's right. Where the so, hell's the game at? It's doing. Oh, that, that's the one that's doing Deathstroke Year One afterwards. Oh, okay. So it really doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. It's Deathstroke Year One. Like, so it can just go back and tell Deathstroke's origin. It's not like it ties into anything after Shadow War, you know? Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Why is this not showing up on Hulu? What are you even talking about? I'm trying to be right the next He's trying to get the hockey up. Yeah. Well, you have to be focused for the next one, Matt. It's a pretty. It's a map book. It's a big book, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll find something to talk about to piss me off and bring me right back in. If it's the so. book I think it is, then I know exactly what pissed Matt off in it. Well, that said, <laughs> the Human Target issue six, Tom King rating with Greg Smallwood on art. Hey, can I just say? Can I just say? Pete, you don't need to be smug. Last, last issue of this, Matt got all excited because, oh, look who's on the cover of the next issue. Guy Gardner's on the cover of the next issue. It's going to be a Guy Gardner-focused issue. I don't think that I have giggled to myself as much that when I got to the page of this issue in which Guy Gardner dies like a little bitch. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm going to disagree with that. Because um, <laughs> it, it took I'm everything. Not, I'm not reading this book, but just seeing DC Twitter... Like, it, even without spoilers, they were just like, a, you know, the guy Gardner stands were out in force. So I was like, I wonder what happened to Human Target this week. <laughs> Look, so oh, I, I want to know. God damn it. And the time <laughs> it took me to pull this game up the, the Blackhawks scored. God damn it. Um, Stop talking about hockey. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, like, look, I look at Gardner. We know this. He's one of my favorite comic characters. Um, I think people need to chill out. Um, and, and calling for Tom King's head in this because this is very much a JLI 
influence Guy Gardner, where I mean, when he was a dick. he isn't the Guy Gardner that has grown right over the course of the last twenty years. You know, he's very much that guy that got knocked out in one punch by Batman, the Guy Gardner that was the butt of all the jokes, and his appearance here doesn't take anything away from that. How, like, yeah, there's some some stuff that King hints at with him that I don't like, but you're not supposed to, you know? Um, but yeah, I kept seeing the reactions to this because I, I don't read this. Uh, I read this in, in physical, so I had to wait till I got it on Wednesday. And I was like, how bad could it be? Like, did he burn down an orphanage with babies inside? You I know? Just, and I, 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 I suspect, honestly, a lot of people complaining on Twitter don't read the book. And don't yeah, well, realize it's an, essentially an Elseworlds, right? It's out of continuity. Yeah, it's not continuity. Right. Right. But, you know, if the story is good enough, none of that matters. Like, again, I love Guy Gardner. That My love of Guy Gardner does not take any hits in this issue. Yeah. Because you're, you're kind of rooting for what happened. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. if this was continuity, it would be different, right? You'd care more yeah. that Guy Gardner yeah, just yeah. got killed. Right. It's not. Who cares? It's, it's a story. <laughs> Guy Gardner gets killed, and this issue is an 11 out of 10. That That is like <laughs> what this issue is. <laughs> it, I, I already know what Pete's panel of the week is going to be. <laughs> it yeah, may be the best too. single issue of a card book that's ever been written. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> Until <laughs> Ivy comes out. No, no, no. But before this, his line was the one where Batman punched Guy out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that and now, now this has taken over. Well, yeah. Um, and and I do appreciate Tom King because a punch uh is, in you know what what causes yeah, one punch. Yeah, so Just one punch. That's what it takes. Yep. Well, yeah. one punch is a little bit of help. One, but, one punch hey. and he shatters like the T one thousand. But we'll get to it. Uh, this, this is this book is important enough that we need to talk about over all the scenes. Yeah. So, uh, it start, yeah. It starts off and Ace is pissed. Because Chance wants to investigate fire and is really mad at him for it, doesn't want to think of fire as a potential suspect, uh, gets mad, tells him to turn around when she gets dressed, or storms out. And there's a really sad moment at the end where he starts coughing. And it's like, I wasn't sure if he was like playing it up to, to try and like sort of make her like g give some sympathy yeah. to him. Or if it was just a genuine cough, but she still says no and just shuts the door anyway. Yeah. So here's here's my theory on this, and this book is taking a break after this issue mm -hmm. until what September. So we have a long time to think about this. Yes. You know, we all know he's the human target, right? He puts himself in these situations to uncover, mm. you know, whatever the hit is. We still don't know who tried to kill Luther. Right, and that's ultimately what his mission is. But there's a, the ticking well, clock, which I think is fine because, I, like, I wasn't expecting that until near the end of the book, anyway. No, 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 right, right, right. But I'm saying, what if whatever he keeps drinking out of his flask isn't whiskey? It's what's giving him these symptoms because he needs to figure out. He has this time. So basically, set up, right? basically, what you're saying is that he is. This is going to lead to the most obvious but satisfying swerve, which is this is all just mm -hmm. a play because he's he's pretending yeah. to be the the dying man to, to yep. solve the yeah and, like that's possible like that is definitely in the realm of possibility. And, and what made me think of that is that scene you just brought up with him almost putting on the cough to get her to stay and it doesn't work, you know, and I'm like okay, 
is is this his play here? And I could be totally off, and it'll still be fine. I think the fact that he was coughing but it made me. It put yeah. it in there. The fact that he was coughing then in scenes where she wasn't there made me think that he wasn't putting it on. Now, that doesn't necessarily say mm-hmm. that he's not giving himself symptoms, but it. Right. I, I don't think the cough is uh, like an act itself. No, no, no. I, I think whatever he's drinking is giving him the poison symptoms, you know? And there, There's a great moment of hesitation here, though. Like, we see when yeah. she like, turns around and looks at him coughing, and uh-huh. then it goes into the close up of the eye where you see that the bubble say no. I, I was like, I thought that was a really well paced. Yeah, you know, bit of work. Uh, just uh, people were were talking about they're upset that there's gonna be a break and King addresses on Twitter and he's yeah, like, hey, upset. <laughs> do you want no? Do you want Greg to draw draw all of it? Do you want it to look as nice as it can? Then then this is what we have to do. And like, and he he thanked him. He's like, I'm I'm glad you're so passionate and you're enjoying it, but you know this is gonna end up. It's gonna be worth the wait. Correct me if I'm wrong, um, but didn't we get a similar thing in Strange Adventures? I don't think it was six months, but I think we had a couple of months yeah. break, and then we had a few issues where it was like every yeah. other month towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so the artists can keep pace. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I yeah. think it was that. I mean, admittedly, I think the pandemic also may have slightly affected that one. That as was, well. yeah. Maybe. Um, But that look right there from her with the hesitation. Oh, yeah. Is, yeah. That's. That's why we can't have a different artist. We have to keep right. Smallwood doing all the issues because mm-hmm. the the consistency in this and the art artistry is is I wonderful. I mean, Smallwood is a phenomenal artist. There's no doubt about yeah. that, and I'm sure it takes time to put in the amount of effort that that yeah. it does to to get those results. Mm-hmm. You know, and he, he gets the phone call. He wakes up, and it's all very exciting. He goes to see Doctor Midnight, and uh, he's like skying him, telling him that okay, you found traces of the poison in the sample you gave us in that previous issue. Uh, so you've, you've got a lead but he, he mainly the conversation turns to him like hey if you want some help like I can't really give you any medical advice because there's nothing to give you but sometimes you know when I can't find answers through science I find them at church would you like to come to church with me and Chan, uh, Chance tells a story about how after his mother died when he was young uh, some relatives and stuff gave him like books about the afterlife and God and mm-hmm. things like that. You know, this was kind of his learning experience. And he asked his father after he'd read some of it, what religion are we? Cause he didn't know. There had never been something they talked about. And his father sounding like quite a supportive, nice guy, to be honest, said, yeah, well, I'm not going to force one on you. I don't really have one of my own. So you pick what you want. And I'll, if you want to go and worship something like I'll, we'll do it. Uh, or if you want to just sit and watch the baseball game or whatever they were watching, then, <laughs> then we can do that too. And that's ultimately what he ends up doing. And he sort of has this moment where he's, oh, we're still lost at the end of the game. But... <laughs> yeah, um, it was a good game, went to overtime, but we lost in the end. Yeah. You know? I think what I like about this moment is that as he's saying this and he's walking out and the, the orange light of the outside or whatever it is is mm-hmm. hitting him, is Midnighter's looking over at him. Uh, not Midnighter. You know what, you know what it is? It's because his name is McNider. <laughs> Midnighter, yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. yeah. Uh, but Doctor Midnight. He's looking over at him, and he's got this sad look in his face because Chance is saying that no, that's not for him. But for Chance, like him remembering the story, he's got a bit of a smile on his face. This is actually quite mm-hmm. a fun memory for him, where like sitting like this with his father was the comfort and experience that maybe other people got from going to church or whatever. So yeah, I thought it was an interesting. Well, and he starts laughing. Yeah, and it almost is like Midnight thinks that. Almost he's like laughing at him for offering him to go to church. Yeah. But it's, we know it's from him remembering this, you know, game it, and 
sitting with his dad because he talks about like his dad ruffled his hair and they ate chips. Uh, yeah, again, and... it's about the art, just doing mm-hmm. so much with the performances of the the, the yeah. cast. You know, seeing the look in his face is is done so well, and it's all the art. Uh, but yeah, so. He's basically forming his plan in his head. He's going home. He's going to do all this stuff all night to be prepared to go and do do his next part of an investigation. But Ace is there, and they kiss, and we you know we cut ahead to them lying there on the floor, and they've not spoken. They've just had sex, uh, and eventually they start making small talk, and the, the the conversation is like, "What's that noise?" And it's like apparently, you know, she got so excited she froze all the pipes, so all the pipes are making noises mm-hmm. as they're starting to heat up again. <laughs> Which uh, is is a really funny idea, and the water's not running, so it's like, oh, we're going to have to order food. And that's when Guy Gardner hammers his way in. You know, he, they're they're at her place, and Guy, you know, and Guy is a dick in this series. Like, you know, he is yeah. this obsessive ex boyfriend who's chasing he, down the new boyfriend, and and th- and this is the thing that, like, as a Guy Gardner fan, I don't like, but it fits the story. And there, there are shades that he's abusive to Ice. Yeah, yeah. The the entire conversation with her, where he's like, "You don't know what you're talking about. Don't make me get like this. This is all you." And it's like, I don't like this guy. Like it, it made me someone that loves Guy Gardner, not like him. <clears throat> That's a skill. So yeah, uh, that seemed know, perfectly in character for Guy Gardner for me, but I mean. <laughs> I think calling him abusive in, in mainline continuity I'm is only, a bit unfair. I'm only joking. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm having some fun. But uh, there's some nice moments here where Ace starts blasting him and he eventually, uh, like, you know, starts hitting back with his, or shielding himself with his, you know, his lantern ring. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love all the beats to this here where she's like, look, did I say let's have a talk or did I say get the F out of my house? As we get mm-hmm. close up to her eyes. But what's good with this is that it's this kind of thing, and he, he goes to like try and throw a punch as well when they're mm-hmm. they're fighting with their superpowers, and Chance basically he picks out his gun and he's he knows it's not really going to do much, like he knows it'll just mm-hmm. bounce off and maybe he'll like hit him back, but his idea is that if he can distract Guy so that he's not using all of his willpower to like hold uh-huh. off Ace, the Ace will actually get through and and freeze him, and sure right. enough. Like and it's this great panel as well. See the look in his like it's a close up of guy's eyes as he realizes because mm-hmm. he's been really smug because he's he's hit chance because yeah. he's like you know, he's made like a like a morning star and looks through it yeah. his his shoulder and he's like ah I just cut you bitch. But then like the eyes as he realizes oh shit I'm being frozen and yeah. oh I fucked up yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's he's um he's just standing there frozen and it you know it takes a bit of a turn where. Chance goes up, he's bleeding from the shoulder, and we get a full page spread of the one punch of Guy's face shattering into tiny pieces. And it is the Batman panel of when, from JLI mm-hmm. when Batman punches Guy. But he's falling apart like the T-1000, like yes. he said. Um, yeah, I was shocked. So I, I had gotten unspoiled as of it, that. I knew something bad had happened. <laughs> With guy that people were upset, did not know he was gonna be you know killed in this way. And he's, he's the next page like his his headless body is standing there still frozen until yep. Ace throws it over and it all shatters. And what's so weird about this, uh, or I mean, I say weird. What's so good about this from a storytelling narrative 
is that she then like goes on, sits on the Chansey's lap and kisses him. But then they're sitting there and some of the ice is starting to melt and like the blood is coming out of it. And he's looking down and like they're talking about what to do now about like th- th- does anyone know where Guy is? And he's like, oh no, he, t- he told me once that he turns off his communicator and like his ring locator because he doesn't like people knowing where he is. And it's just, it's like they're covering up a murder. And immediately, like, wait, if Ace is so comfortable covering up a murder like this, then uh, does that maybe suggest that she might be behind she, the Lex stuff? She, so, so I keep going back and forth with her being a femme fatale, right? Through these issues. And it's, it, the breadcrumbs are there, right? Um, so I'm glad you said that too, because I was starting to have the same thing where, like, well, she flipped real quick. Like, she, she throws him in a, you could say it was self defense, right? Yeah. Like, you know. Um, and granted, guy was probably done for after that freeze. Like she froze him solid through. Um, so like, yeah, her covering up, like, how are you going to do this? And also the green lantern ring. Right. And that's got to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but yeah. And just the panel after he leaves, right. And, uh, it's him in the car, uh, at, at the sunset, just the coloring here. Um, oh yeah, it's wonderful. So damn good. Yeah, like uh, the, the you know the coloring and the the color schemes of each pages. You know, the the end of the issue is him getting back to his office, and Luigi, he the guy who works for them, uh, you know, mm-hmm. takes a couple of pot shots about like he's drinking about being with the new girl and all that. But mm-hmm. then says, oh yeah, there's someone there, and some people you can't say no to. And then of course all the panels in this last page are green because that's fire's <laughs> color and fire. Yep. Who may actually end up being the true femme fatale of the of the story? Just just by her introduction with the you know bottle of Jack open. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, like, and this is the yeah. thing. Chance that his final moment here, and this this is actually a really good cliffhanger for the break, yep. I think, because we've been building up to fire in a lot of ways since you know mm-hmm. issue two. So, ending with her like sort of showing up in the story, and then him, you know realizing that he spent his six, day six of 12 that he has left to live uh getting drunk having sex and you know maybe murdering, yeah murdering someone instead of like solving the crime yeah uh like well pete you only live once so yeah <laughs> yeah I, you know it's a really great issue you know i i joked it was 11 out of 10 that's i mean i would never break my skill i have i have you know integrity but yeah, um yeah. I'm not Dave Meltzer, is what I'm trying to say. But <laughs> what is I... that six stars at the dome? <laughs> he's made seven at least once, though, is he not? Yeah, um, I think so. I don't know the match, though. So, I know this is the best issue of the book. I, I think the last issue, which was the end of the mind one, and then I think even better than that, with the issue before that, which was the build-up mm-hmm. to them having sex for the first time. Like, this this is an embarrassment of Richie's, this run, or this, this, this 12-issue series. Yep. To, to the point where I'm about to probably give this like a 9 or a 9.5 and it's at best the third best issue so far. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe even fourth best? Like that's how good this book has been? It, it's... Yeah. It's hard for me to rank them because it is such a... Yeah. It's such a progression of the story. You know, each one. Um, I, I really like the Blue Beetle. Uh, that's the build-up one, right? um yeah, yeah that was issue. the one that built up to them having sex at the end yeah right? that was so good too um that was just all the little body language moments throughout the issue yep. that was building up to that eventual consummation at the end was just mm-hmm. was great uh 
had like wonderful stuff and you know if you go back and check my tweet at wibble89 on twitter um the moment where i tweeted as a damn fine page in this uh human target damn fine that tweet i didn't finish the issue first i tweeted that as soon as i got to that full page of him shattering that's that is the moment i tweeted that whole <laughs> matter self-parody yeah <laughs> pizza a mark for himself what can you say Oh, I'm a mark for myself. I'm happy to admit that. I mean, you would say that you're a sports entertainer, right? Oh, no, never. How dare you? (laughs) Connor's a sports entertainer. (laughs) No, no, I feel like you're the Jericho here. What? That's off. I'm so lost. Don't worry about it. I'll be honest, I checked out for like three or four seconds. Yeah. And I came back, and I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Carl's like, do I, I have a stroke? I don't, I don't understand. Car- Carl's a jobber. That's all we need to know. True. Ham and Ager, as the brain used to say. <laughs> yeah, so Human Target's fantastic. Uh, it still yeah. is fantastic. And I mean, and Guy being on the, on the cover, it is the most notable thing that's happened. So, I mean, that's how I have my cake and eat it, too. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, what a wonderful issue. Not, you know, I can joke about guy being killed as like being hilarious, and it is kind of funny. But, <laughs> but no, it, literal, literal shock. Yeah, I was not expecting that. Like, I was like, oh, she's gonna pull back, uh, because he got hit, right? Like, um, just enough that it, it broke guy's concentration, and we're gonna get another him, you know, uh, fake throwing like when you do a dog, you know, that's how that's how you get guy. Is that how he got him to wreck the car and whatnot? And it's, it's and kind of like, oh, oh, no. And it's kind of the point of the story as well, where now our main character has is at least part of something that has crossed mm-hmm. the line, where there's no shades of grey and like like has said well, the story, you know. There's an actual death of somebody now. Yeah. So, and and how is that going to reverberate? And when you kill a member of the Justice League, what does that mean for you? You know, and ice now, for that matter. Yeah, I mean, the, the one thing on his side is that he only has six days left to live, so it may not be enough time for the consequences to sneak up True, to him. You know? but, but yeah. Uh, You'd see him taking the fall for ice, and then her, yeah. you know, she's dealt with her abusive boyfriend, but now lost this guy, so what was the cost? Mm-hmm. You know? If she's actually in love with him, we don't know. Um so we'll see with the fire stuff. The romantic, Emmy, seem... the romantic Emmy wants to believe, but I mean, this story could really go either way. At this yeah, point. well, it's just the fact she's so protective over ice or fire, you know, and, and whatever. Well, there's a but, reason beyond their friendship. You know I wonder I mean? if the reason why she's so protective is because she knows she's the guilty one, so she doesn't want fire mm-hmm. to go down for something she knows she didn't do. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. There's something beyond them just being best friends. There, and and maybe that. like the like part of the attraction to Chance's guilt about the fact that she's mm-hmm. inadvertently killing him <laughs> without right. meaning to, right? Uh, so, so, yeah. I mean, to... and don't forget our introduction to her. She's not what she seems, right? That she was this ice princess from Norway, you know. But that wasn't the real story, you know. And she's a basically a, a metahuman from a broken family. So that that also goes a long way with this. Yeah, man. Tom King in these 12 issue maxis is just, he's on a different level. You would say he's like Omega in the Dome. <laughs> he's Omega in the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
to the blank looking cutters. I'm so lost. But but before we move on, we should, you know, talk about the fact that it was definitively settled last week. Matt, Matt did post the poll as I to did. who was better, Guy or Kyle. And even with Pete trying to cook the numbers, he still lost. Yep. What are you talking about? What do you mean we're talking about? All the mild fuzz accounts start commenting how much they love Kyle. Yeah, and you know, uh, Jim, who runs the the Mailfuzz TV account, uh, clearly that's how he felt. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Janine, who who runs the the Mailfuzz movies Twitter. A lot of J names going on here. <laughs> I was waiting for screams after midnight to get involved and say, you know, Tim wanted no part of that. No, I wanted him to to comment for Nort, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. even even with Pete cooking the numbers the uh, yeah. guy still won so the people have spoken well Poor yeah but then he died this week so I got the last laugh so. mm-hmm. <laughs> temporarily <laughs> not the last last laugh it's you know it, it doesn't help now. guys case that in our in, in the mainstream uh, DC you know earth one or zero whatever it is now he might be the only good guy gardener because every know, other guy gardener is a shit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. um, he's the one who counts. So yes, that's, that's exactly. what matters. Right. Yeah. All right. Matt, what are you giving human target? Uh, 9.5. Yeah, I'll just go with a straight nine. I'll be a little reserved, but yep. and it's only because like, the, the, the bar was so high from the last couple that I just, you know, there's a scale here and I have to, whatever, but like, I'll go straight nine. So there you go. Excellent stuff. All right. Rogues, issue one, Joshua Williamson writing. This is our third Joshua Williamson book this week with Leo Max on art. But this is a black label book. Yep. It's issue 104. This is, uh, I'm going to call this the Old Man Cold story, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which is, you know, we're in the future. He's an old man now, and he wants to get the, the rogues together one last time because he's, he's... But basically, as we find out in the issue, he is on uh like parole basically and he's, yeah. he's, he's he has to like check in with an officer he's got a job that he doesn't like and his manager are making you know making fun of them they're saying yeah you because know, when he leaves the office after they give him this sort of promotion to like like supervisor manager. or whatever yeah they're, they're, they're like yeah what you really you're giving that ex-con like this job is like ah okay, he doesn't even get any of the money because it's part of the the, the you know higher ex-con scheme <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he owes so much of his paycheck. He doesn't get to keep it. Plus, this will look yeah. good for us. So, really, it's win-win. He gives him a you know yeah. something to be proud of. And as a longtime Captain Cold fan that knows how proud he is, you just wait for the snap. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're just because like, they also oh, make fun one... of him. They also say, uh, yeah. like, could, could you imagine anyone used to be scared of him? Like people. He's like, wasn't he freeze? He's like, oh no, that's Gotham. This is he's ours. Oh yeah, and it's all... like he can't. They, we all know how yeah. much he hates being mistaken for Mr. Yeah. Freeze. Hey, yep. at least they didn't mistake him for Cold Snap. True. <laughs> well, real quick, back to Human Target 2. I wonder if Pete loves that book because how much he loves he loves Frozen characters. So this is why sure. he loves Ice so much. Sure, yeah. And it, it, that didn't dawn on me until I was reading uh, this issue. Ice uh, and is now... definitely the, the, the sexiest yeah. of the Cold characters. I'll, yeah. I'll give her that. How dare you uh, discount Minister Blizzard? <laughs> I thought we were going to say Keller Frost, but no, you went no. Master Blessers, all right. I, I, no, was also, I was like, who's the yes. funniest choice here? <laughs> yeah, see, so Connor got it. Yeah, it's like, you can't go with Freeze, it's too obvious. All right. But yeah, um, 
I didn't realize this was going to be Ocean's Eleven with the rogues, and I freaking love it. I uh, I got that vibe, like the title page, mm -hmm. where it has like Leonard Snart as Captain Cold, yeah, and then my favorite yeah. is featuring Gorilla Grodd as himself. Uh huh. Like, oh, okay. Well, okay, I, and, I get what you're going for here. And then when he's rounding people up, they each get their own little, you know, title. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so a, a lot of this uh, issue is because we start off with like a flashback. We start off in mm -hmm. kind of like what may be current Modern. day DC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's basically over here is like uh, this this gorilla character who is a detective, but not a detective chimp. Again, there's no, a lot of. Do you, do you guys know who this is? I actually don't know off the top of my head now. Okay. So there's a character uh, from a book that, man, late 90s. It was called Angel and the Ape. And it was this detective gorilla from, you know, Gorilla City uh, teaming up with a, a lady named Angel O'Brien or Angel o Angel o Day. And they had a detective agency and that was the whole story. Man, um, the 90s are wild. Um, but yeah, so Sounds him, amazing. him drinking at this bar and them being like, oh, he's not even Detective Chimp. And, and, and Con Condiment King being the one who's <clears throat> serving people. Yeah, a big fight breaks out. But while while he's complaining, he talks about how oh, Grodd doesn't even need to come to Central City for for no. he came for power, but he doesn't need money. Gorilla City's got tons of gold underneath that, that no one's even counted because they don't care. <laughs> they don't care about gold because they're such an advanced yeah. society. They just sit on it. And... So so Cold gets the yeah. idea that this is the, this is the long con that he's he's secretly been kind of planning his like the last mm -hmm. ten years of his life is like this is the big one. This is the one that he can finally set them all up for life. And you know, it shows you things like when he's like on his way to work and he sees like the graffiti, the big painting, the mural of Central mm -hmm. City, and he's like quite proud of it. But then on his way home, and they've taken down the wall because they're rebuilding the like he, yeah. he gets really pissed off about it. Um, but yeah, he goes to his sister who's like a like a social worker, she's a social yeah, she's a social worker now, which which checks out with her, yeah, right. And she's helping people. She doesn't want to be a criminal again. But this this issue is very much about him rounding up all the people. Not, I mean, not all of them have survived. There's a couple of dead members, so yeah. they get replaced with uh, some others. Yeah, Weather Wizard and um, Captain Boomerang. Yeah, they're, they're both so, dead. So we Boomerang get, always dies. Yeah, well. we got Bronze yeah. Tiger and uh, Magenta to replace them. I uh, do like Bronze Tiger though, so I'm always yeah. okay with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who's, uh, who's now a pacifist? Um, because he, he can't be an assassin anymore because yeah. parole. Which it, I, I love that tweak. That, that works because Bronze Tiger has that flexibility in any way. He, he kind of yeah. goes through phases like that, right? Yeah. So that works. And you've got uh, <clears throat> Trickster who's doing like a stand-up routine, like a magic show or whatever, and he's, you know, the old ladies love him. So he's making money I, that way. And I was like, wait, he's a... Is this Axel? And then he called him uh, James. And then there's a, a quip about plastic surgery. <laughs> and then Leo Max nails the art because yeah. when it does like a close up of his face, it looks like someone who's had a lot of work done. Uh, I think the art is spectacular. Again, yeah. um, like Snart, because it's, we're saying old man Snart. It's not old, it's like 50s. It's, yeah. it's like just like, you know, later middle age, kind of just like, yeah, he's, he's in that grumpy older man, like, you know, kind of middle management like, role. Yeah, well, it's a, he's very Walter White esque, right? Like I can see that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I do love because when they go to when Cold goes to Heatwave, and he he walks in because everyone else has had to convince somewhat. He walks up to Heatwave and he just goes, oh, "Save the speech, I'm in." <laughs> and he's like, There's a good well, speech. speech. <laughs> as as he's setting the the fire, he goes, "Is this business or pleasure?" He's like, 
That's for an insurance company, so both. Uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but then he like, reveals his plan, is that we're going to Gorilla City and we're going to steal the gold that's underneath Gorilla City, and all I'm like, ah, you're psychotic, no, we're out. <laughs> Let's all leave. Yeah. Let's go home. <laughs> but then, of course, uh, Star is very charismatic. He convinces yeah. them that they should stick around, and they go to what at first they think is a prison, but it's actually a rehab place, because mm-hmm. Mirror Master's in there, and Mirror Master's essential to the plan. So we get yeah. McCulloch uh, in the story here. Um... But, but uh, he wants to be called Sam. Yes. He's, he's all loopy. He's, he's infused, yes, yeah, seemingly. Yeah. Uh, but basically, some authorities show up, and they have a bit of a standoff, and it kind of escalates. Where up until this point, it's like, they're not supposed to be seeing each other. Part of their parole yeah. is that they're not maybe interacting with and, other villains. And, and uh, his parole officer uh, colds, sur- you know, searches his house to make sure he doesn't have any of his his Ice gadgets. Yeah. And yeah. we see a scene when he gets pissed after work, you know, disrespects him. He goes and tears his, you know, very John Wick style. Yeah. Tears his apartment apart. And we see him building him. We can assume it's the gun, but this is the first time we see the, the freeze gun used. Yeah. Uh, very effectively. I love the, uh, the colors of that scene. Cause up to that point, it's all been like really muted kind of mm-hmm. pale colors, yellows. And then it gets to that where it's the anger and it's all this, you know, reds, oranges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really pops. But they didn't actually use the freeze gun until this moment where he freezes all of the security forces mm-hmm. in front of them. And everyone else has, metaphorically speaking, frozen. Like they don't know what yeah. to do. They, 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 yeah. they don't actually try fighting them. They're basically just like scared that they're going to go We're back screwed. to prison. They don't. They don't want to be a part yeah. of this anymore. He freezes all the security forces and then goes up and starts knocking their heads off of their frozen bodies. Which is funny enough, just to you know sync up with the human target a little bit this yeah. week. That was a, kind of a similar idea, but it's, a, it's, yeah. a, it's ensuring that there's no way back now. Yeah, you, we've yeah. committed to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like we've just killed a bunch of cops effectively. Uh, we've just crossed this line it doesn't matter if they all say no this was snart and we just kind of like he roped us into it we didn't want to do this they're still going to go to prison they're still associating with them they're still here when this happens their lives are all still ruined yeah Yeah. so now they're locked into this no matter what and then the final page is like yeah you've all you've all gone soft you've forgotten who we are we're the rogues so you get that full page at the end where they're all locked together um so there is kind of this interesting idea here that none of them wanted to really be this villainous again and didn't want to kill people but he sort of like forced them into it oh that's an interesting well, that's you an interesting almost believe that he's not actually that villainous for most issue that he is that yeah. kind of sad broken old man and then, yeah, and then that he proves that he is still yeah, this guy but i i think this is an interesting dynamic set to set up for the rest of the story i think for the rest of it we're going to sympathize more with all the other characters more than we do with him now yeah mm-hmm. so uh it's interesting especially since oh, yeah. it goes out of his way to show us that some of them are actively try to do good you know runs tigers try to teach people self-defense lisa's you know um, helping kids and like get things yeah uh magenta's trying to keep the that persona under control yeah yeah right with medication uh he waves like the only one that's really full in from from jump like you brought up yeah trickster's Um, not doing anything good but he's not doing anything wrong either he's just you know making himself a little bit rich but not in a not in a malicious way. Yeah, completely completely yeah. legal. He's, he's got fans. They're paid to see him. But, you know, nothing. He, he's ripping yeah. off old ladies, you know? Right. Um, but it's it's no worse than any other entertainer, right? No. Right. Right. And so, yeah, it's... Uh, now they all definitely have something to lose. Yeah. And yeah. It's Gorilla Gold or Bust. So, now they're all on their way to... Well, I, mean, I don't know if they're going to go straight to the city next time, but they're like... Whatever the next part of the plan is, that's what's yeah, next time. I, I wonder... He says next stop Gorilla City, so we'll see. Yeah. yeah, but I wonder what the 
why they need Mirror Master so much. And you know heist movies. There's always that one person that cracks. Actually, except for Ocean's Eleven. Ocean's Eleven actually goes pretty well uh, for, for them. Um, I, I, I think it's probably going to be the it's not that cracks by the end because that's think? the that's the sad bit you know, everyone else is able to pull it off well i'm just saying like, but leads... more professional but he's so invested in it it'll, it'll yeah he'll mess up i'm just saying like what leads to them getting stuck right or whatever um like is it magenta there's these seeds there um, I, no i think those are all like control. red herrings all these things yeah. of like oh will they will yeah. they i think it'll ultimately come down to him being too passionate, pushing, too like, pushing too, too far. Yeah, push it too yeah. far, and he'll be the one that that right. screws up. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think I like about this, and uh, it's probably one of the best things I've read from Williamson. Maybe the best thing I've read from Williamson, honestly. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's probably like some parts of the Flash that were up there. With yeah, I, I think better, the but... Flash annual or in that sort of time in the middle yeah. where Wally came back properly is maybe my oh, favorite stuff before there. now. Uh, there was a little run there that was really good in the part of the, the run, but this... I, I, I think. I think this though, the characterization of Cold feels so in line, and I like that he's making these wrong choices. He's going down a villainous path, but every motivation he has to go down this path, and like all the all the things that trigger him, all make sense and all fit a classic Captain Cold persona. It fits the mm -hmm. Jeff Johns Captain Cold. It fits you know the Captain Cold we've, we've had by and large for the last thirty years, yeah. and. I think I think that makes it really satisfying. It, it, it makes sense as well that I, I I've been struggling with a lot of the Williams stuff lately, and that it's it's very big in scope and it's kind of messy. Mm -hmm. This is very restrained. It's Focus. like no, this this is one small group. They're pulling a heist. It's in and out in theory, but like that, there's only so much. In it, terms feels, of it feels it feels a little Tarantino West to me. I guess that's the other thing the roll call at the start gave me vibes of. It gave me like a Tarantino a roll call. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this is more indicative of Williamson's indie work, you know, uh, this kind of stuff with the with the shorter focus, with the characterizations. I mean, one of the first things I read of his was Nailbiter, which is you know more more you know mystery story with horror aspects, but then he has one called Ghosted, that's a heist in a haunted house where they're stealing a ghost. Um, <laughs> but they're not, stealing a ghost. Yeah, they have to go in and, and steal a ghost. Um, See, that sounds great. Yeah, so this is much more indicative of of what I expected from him when he was announced, which funnily enough, I came across on Facebook six years ago today was the Rebirth panel, which now led to us talking every week. Hmm. Uh, so thanks, DC. For nearly 300 uh, goddamn episodes. Yeah. Uh, Very nearly. And one of my, big things, <laughs> one of my big things out of that was Williamson being hand-selected by Johns for Flash. And me being excited over that because I'd read Ghosted and Nailbiter and Birthright uh, up to that point. Um, so it, yeah, it, for I mean, him to jump back to that vibe here for, for this Rogues book, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, and it went down hell, but he did, he was one of the longest runs of that mm -hmm. Rebirth announcement. Him and King were the two that you know got to around 100 issues in some way or form. He was the longest, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and he, and he's still continuing threads of that through his, you know, his crises, as as it's going. There's definitely a direct line from the start of his Flash run yeah. all the way through to what he's doing still now with the Death mm -hmm. of Justice League and Dark yeah. Crisis. So, yeah. yeah, but I I think this may end up being my favorite thing he does just because it is the self-contained. Yeah, I, I would. 
I would say check out. Uh, have you checked out Nailbiter, Pete? No. It's the the first because there's there's it's broken up into two. Um, Nailbiter returns. I've only read the first trade. Um, I'll say this in case you ever do get into it. it ending is kind of eh, but the lead up to it is very much more in line with this, where each piece moves. Like this is much more condensed because that was thirty six issues. Um, the first time. I would say if you have time, check it out. I, I really enjoy it. Yeah. But now Rogue's issue one, I mean, we were kind of all excited about the concept of this. And mm-hmm. I think it kind of lived. And obviously, Leo Mack's name was a big sell as well. And yeah. the art here is very good. And um, they, Lopez's colors as well. I think mm-hmm. kind of being said that they're like all that stuff in the bar at the start. Like, it just kind of like pops the purple backgrounds. And then, you know, I mentioned all that, that, that bright red. Uh, when snot flips it's and, and Liam X art like from um bucket full of heads too it's very grimy in the best way like there's a there's a texture to it the um uh, and it the stuff the when we were dealing with well. heat wave when he's burning down mm-hmm. our building it it looked like a frank villa page mm-hmm. i can see that uh, it's also because the colors too right i associate oh, yeah. those those pulpy colors definitely yeah. helped yeah yeah i would describe leo Mac's general style as being it reminds me more of like the and it's not exactly the same, but it reminds me more of the sort of style that the original like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles kind of had, where it has kind that, of. that has that kind of gritty nineties indie mm-hmm. comic look to it, and yeah. I, I think that fits with the story, and it fit it fit really yeah. well with Basketful of Heads as well at, at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so well, it fits so well that the the artists right now on on Refrigerator Full Heads feels like they're doing a Leo Max thing, mm-hmm. so. Uh, it's interesting yeah. that he, essentially we got this from him instead of Refrigerator for mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. But I wonder if like he would have been doing that had they not offered him something else yeah. that maybe piqued his interest. Yeah. I mean, as someone that was enjoying Refrigerator for Heads, um, I'd much rather see him on this because like the rogues are near and dear to me. So, um, yeah. yeah, as fun as that would have been, I think this is much better use of the talents here. Um, yeah, I would I would say put you know, keep putting them on gritty things or horror things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you could throw them a swamp thing book and I think that'd be uh, interesting. Just gonna say that. Yeah. By the way, when's that Lemire other one supposed to be coming out? Well, uh, it's supposed it to be called? this month, I think. That's it. Okay. Well there's only one more week left, so I mean But yeah, well I mean uh, maybe it got pushed, so I don't know. Yeah. We can't be that Jeez. far away from it though. <laughs> when when was that? Was that Green Hell? Yeah. What's that called? I mean, oh, that was so good. To be fair, I remember it fairly well, despite the fact that it's been like three months now. Oh, me too. Yeah. I just and I want to know where it's at because I I, I want to know, um, but but yeah no Leo Max on a, like a or or a demon book, like you know, that'd be cool, um, yeah yeah uh, all right well there you go that's Rogues issue one very very mm-hmm. very good uh, Matt what are you giving it uh nine nine Connor I'm gonna go with an eight point five but I mean it's still very good. Yeah, um, I think I will go with. I about to say with it, say with eight point five. I won't quite give it the nine, but I'm I'm really excited and I'm looking forward yeah. to issue two now. Uh, so there you go. Uh, now every month on Patreon.com/slash/MailFuzzTV, you can make myself or Connor read a book at one of the higher tiers, uh, and Connor's tackling two books this week. Uh, so I I think he'll start off in the the new release, which is Harley Quinn issue thirteen. So, uh, take it away. 
Yeah, it's the start of a new arc. And it's miserable. <laughs> um, Just I, like I have, Connor. I have new problems with this book that I haven't had yet. I have lettering problems this time. The gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Um, so it, it opens in a scene in some bar, and there's narration from Harley, uh, or seemingly Harley, that's going on. It's the usual colors. Or at least it's usual Harley Quinn colors, so you don't question it. And then this, you know, Harley Quinn, start, you know, jumps to the bar and you know and starts killing everyone. Basically, and it's very clearly not Harley; it's it's someone impersonating her. Um, and that's when it becomes clear that this narration is actually this Harley, and it it's basically it's a a black box with white text with a red outline. Um, so again, Harley Quinn colors don't question it. And it's not until you know after this scene where it cuts to our Harley where it's a white box with black text, which I assume has actually been what it has been most of the book. Um, so that's, that's, that's a pro in the lettering column. It's it's a small little switch because you don't question it. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's a sequence in this false Harley attack where the layout is baffling to me, where it's supposed to be a sequence where it's, it's like a double-page splash and the panel outline is like someone holding a gun like a pistol and there's things inside the pistol and the hand but the way the the lettering's placed is i actually read things out of order because it didn't make any it, it has like a large vertical space before it goes into this pistol and it feels like it should read down first but it doesn't you have to read across and then back down and then back up it's so strange and yeah, I, I don't know if that's necessary. I don't know if I'm blaming the letter for where they place the boxes, or if I'm blaming the, if I'm just blaming Rosmo for terrible layouts again. Wouldn't be the first time. Probably won't be the last. Let's be honest. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's 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 pretty rough. Um, we have the Harley side of things. She's robbing a van. She's she's doing some Robin Hood stuff and comparing herself to Green Arrow a lot because she's doing Robin Hood stuff. Uh, she's robbing a food, uh, a truck full of food to go give to some homeless people. Um, but ultimately, this Harley Quinn impersonator uh, is actually this, you know, serial police are hunting down. She has a thing where she removes the, her victim's eyeballs. Because sure, why not? Uh, yeah, you have a lot of things where, you know, one of the cops who's investigating it, it's like their, their first thing in Gotham, they're a transfer from Seattle. They're, you know, struggling with the crime scenes and they're like, oh, they, they see the CCTV and see it's Harley Quinn and they're like, oh, look, a Gotham welcome for you. And so they go arrest her at the end, uh, obviously not realizing it's not her and they throw her in Blackgate. So that's where the, the next issue is going to be her in Blackgate dealing with all the people she's pissed off in there, basically, which is fine. It just feels a little bit easy. It's a little bit like, yeah, 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 we, we just want to get to that issue. It's very much a, a transitionary issue. Um, it feels like an issue that should be between arcs as opposed to part one of an arc. Uh, it, it doesn't have a real pop to the start of a story. It's more like, oh yeah, we're kind of setting some things up. And it feels like this stuff in Blackgate is that what it actually wants to be doing for the arc. And maybe it won't, maybe it'll just be a single issue, but that's what it feels like by the end of this. And it, it kind of leaves this issue feeling a bit lacking. Um, 
And that's on top of the usual Rosmo problems of everyone looks terrible. Just every person. Every face. It makes me miserable to read it. I hope you're all happy. I know you two are, but I hope everyone else is. Yeah, it's like a four. Uh, like Cara will now talk about Nocturna. Nocturra. Nocturra. Yeah, it's the Blacktop Bill special, which was uh, the one shot that they released between arcs. Um, so it's uh, Dennis Cowan on art instead of Tony Daniel. Although, oh, Tony Daniel is still credited as a storyteller with Snyder. How much influence he actually had, I, I don't know. How do you mad at Dennis Cowan now? Yeah, I'm rarely upset to see his art. So oh, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, this is basically uh, Blacktop Bill's backstory, maybe. Um, it's a little bit kind of like one of those Joker-esque, like, oh, here's some different origins that we can tell. And it's uh, it's some speculation, like, oh, you know, I heard this and I heard that. And there's the, you know, oh, you know, we heard, you know he, was, he was this normal family guy, but you know, out in his shed at a secret door. Behind that secret door were all his tools because he was a hitman. And it's like, oh, no, no, he wasn't just a hitman. He was a hitman who killed other hitmen. He was the hitman's boogeyman. And it, it kind of just gets worse and worse as it goes on. Uh, you know, it's intercut a little bit with the not quite present day, but like in kind of the middle of the first arc stuff. Uh, uh, you know, of him just being terrible. Like, you know, the, the, them telling him at one point, he's driving around his truck. He's like, oh, hey, you know, uh, getting the survivors, that's the priority. And it's like, if you see anyone, you got to make sure that, you know, you, you look after them or whatever. And as he's, as this is coming through on the radio and he's like, yeah, we'll do. He's literally just gunning down random people at the side of the street who are asking for his help. Uh, and uh, the, the tone's really strong and, and the art is, is great. This stuff, you know, we never see his face. It's always obscured in shadow. Uh, so his thing in the, the main book is, you know, he's covered in that, that really dark, ultra dark suit at the ultra black suit um here's a thing for asphalt in this apparently that is his thing because asphalt is made of dead things and he he likes crushed death so asphalt uh, i don't know it's a it's very poetic it's 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 like oh all this waxing lyrical stuff about it and it, it's a little bit over the top i'll be honest but it works in context of these two guys telling this story to each other. Um, but basically it boils down to, hey, you know, his, his truck, though, that's his, his passion thing. And when he does passion projects, that's, that's when he's not going to let it go. It's not just a job anymore. And he's like, hey, you better not hope that the, those kids are, are his passion projects. If that truck comes out, we're all just screwed. And uh, yeah, and it basically ends with, that final page is him, you know, opening up a uh, opening up a shed and getting his truck, and it, it being ominous and kind of. It, it doesn't actually say like to be continued or anything like that, or that he'll pop back up, but it's very clear like, okay, no, he's going to be a, an ever lingering presence. He's going to come back. This is personal for him now. He's going to be in the book at some point, and he's going to be a threat. Uh, has me uh, ex excited again for the the main story. I think it's a really solid issue. I don't know how necessary it was. I, I think it was more just they kind of wanted to have an issue of Noctera out, but 
you know, it's not part of the main series because Tony Daniels not art. But hey, let's do a one shot. Let's let's get out. Uh, partially, I, I think a little bit cynical. It's because they can because Snyder's name sells enough that hey, we can get some money out of this, right? Mm-hmm. But it's well told. The art's good. Uh, if it is a little bit generic in kind of the backstory of what it is, but yeah, um, it's a nice kind of re-entry into the world of Noctera after a few months off, and I am looking forward to continuing it next month back into the the main book. I'm looking forward to that more than I was this, uh, and really intrigued to see what it does with the with the second arc now that we kind of established the world. It's usually. It's the, the the telling point of a good indie book is the second arc, I think, because the first arc they, they've got the idea, they sell you on it, and it's like, okay, now what what do you do after that? So I'm um, I'm really intrigued to see what that is going to be. Uh, but as for this issue, it's a it's a real solid seven. Uh, yeah, I'm not mad about reading this at all. All right, cool. Uh, that'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week, favorite panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books of the week. So, uh, we'll start off with panel slash moment. Matt, would you care to share? Um, yeah. There's some in, in action that I like, like that last one with Superman, you know, all barbarianified. Um, but I'm I'm gonna go from Human Target. Um, because that book is fantastic. Um, and it's it's the the page where. He says, I think I'm falling in love with you. And he apologizes. Um, mm. Just what it does with the negative space and how they're processing what just happened. Like, it's really good. And also, I don't want to have to rethink uh, Kai, like, at all. So, let me just get past that. We're good. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, Car? Uh, I'm going to go from Rogues. Uh, I'm going to go with the, the point where Snart knocks the guy's head off and it becomes clear as to, oh, oh. That's what we're doing. That's what he is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, big moment. Um, what shall I pick? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I mean, what's your phone background right now? So, it's <laughs> choices. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's probably going to be the, <laughs> the guy Gardner punch, the shatter. Props again. Props to King for bringing back the, the one punch. You know, I it just it, it was too good. It was I mean obviously this, at a personal level it was quite funny, but it was a really well drawn page. And I think what really makes it work though is the crescendo of everything that builds to it, and all the close ups of the eyes and the realization mm-hmm. of what's happening. But and more importantly, you're a self parody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, moving on to cover of the week. Um, I will say before I actually say what my cover of the week is. I, I've generally liked all of the main covers to the tower, and this this final one is the one that I don't like that much. No, uh, it's weird. Yeah, so I just I like to throw that I, out there. I, I don't think it's a amazing week for covers. I'll be honest. I think there's only there's two that I really like, and there's one that's like, yeah, it's all right. Well, I'm going to say my second favorite's probably the the main cover for Rogues. You know, uh, Cole mm-hmm. with the with the freeze gun, um, or sorry, the what do they call it? The zero. Yeah, it's the zero. absolute zero. Yeah, absolute zero. Absolute, yeah. That's what it was, absolute zero. That, that's uh, what he is, Captain Cold. My pick is probably going to be the Fornes variant for Human Target. Uh, I really like that. Okay. It was kind of old paperback kind of thing going on. And yeah, I'm into it. Yeah. So, 
That's mm -hmm. my pick. Uh, and if you want a Behermo cover, there's one for Detective Batman. It's not his. It's not the best of his yeah, but... covers. I mean, even even the ones that he's just on this run of Detective, I think he's had better. Yeah. Probably worth mentioning just for people who like his art. Uh, Tara, what are you think? Um. I just one that I I did I was looking because you know, we don't ever get to include Harley Quinn because it's not usually covered on the weekdays. But yeah, uh, there's a variant for that that's very much oh hey look it's Margot Robbie. Uh, I'm not picking it. I just thought it was amazingly well drawn to capture that likeness in terms of just the face more than anything. Uh, it's the the first variant. Um, oh wow. Uh, the Will Jack one. It yep. is like the face detail is like oh no that's Margot Robbie that's Stunning. Also, uh, vaguely Alexa Bliss. Uh, Pete will get that. Yeah. I would actually even say closer to Alexa Bliss than I would work yeah. Robbie, if I'm honest. Well, if I'm just looking at the thumbnail, I get bigger uh, Alexa Bliss vibes, but no, I can see the Margot Robbie when you when you look at the full picture of it. It's um, definitely going for her. There's no denying that it's going for yeah, her. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think in terms of Achieving what it's going for, I think it does a very good job of that. I, I don't yeah. like. I'm not picking the cover overall. I'm not, I'm not big on the the waxy look that it has overall. Yeah, but I just wanted to mention it. I I like the Hughes one. Hughes one looks that's nice. pretty good. Yeah, um, that, that, nice. that goes up there with the Catwoman. Now we just need an Ivy with the, yeah. the framing. Uh, but ultimately, the only two covers it really comes down to for me are uh, the Rogues cover, the main cover, and the main Action Comics cover. Uh, the the broken chains of the S. Mm -hmm. I think that's real nice. Um, I am going to edge it to the Rogues cover, but those two are the only ones that really come close. All right, Matt. Um, so there's a Rogues variant that is just basically the cover of Action Comics 1, mm -hmm. but with Cold as the freaking out guy and uh, Gorilla Grodd as Superman. Um, and that one's great, uh, but the Action Comics cover, the actual Action Comics cover, with the S. I was hoping Connor wasn't going to bring it up so I could, you know, put the spotlight so good, on it. Isn't it? It is real but good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the S and the sword and yeah, uh, very, very good. Yeah, all right, cool. Uh, Art of the week. Connor, you can kick us off. This one. Well, I didn't read Human Target, <laughs> so it's rogues. I mean, here's the thing Leo Max. You, you have to decide between them. Yeah. I don't. I have an easy choice. Leo Max. On Rogues is fantastic, but it's still Smallwood. That's fair. That's, that's the choice. Matt? Yeah, it's it's Smallwood, and it's not close. Um, I will say I did like Segovia on Deathstroke King, but not like sure. not even more than Leo Max. I just wanted to put that out there. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, oh, that's notable. I think Leo Max, there's a gap between Leo Max and then everyone else by a considerable yeah. margin. So, Which is why, for me, it was yeah. an easy choice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not saying it wasn't for you, because Smallwood is that good right but I, I don't have to think about any of the other books i kind of just no i do kind of like the weeks that human target comes out i don't have to think about what the art's gonna be because it always <laughs> mm -hmm. it's gonna That's be fair. it'd have to be like a gary frank something i think and even then that's the issue of king's doctor strange uh came out the same oh i mean it's not i know it's not still coming out i'm saying do you, do you mean strange adventures sorry strange adventures thank you Okay. Right. Strange Adventures came out along with the Doomsday Clock, along with what other books have we like been head over heels in love with art wise? I don't know, but like yeah. it'd have to be like four or five of the big hitters and be like, oh shit, how do we pick? Yeah, yeah. Week? Smallwood is is that good? 
Uh, cool. All right, Matt, top five books, go. Uh, number one, Human Target. Number two, Rogues. Number three, Action Comics. Number four, Task Force Z. And number five, Robin. Cool. Yeah. Connor? Uh, rogues. Then, then Action. And then... Uh, tech probably pulls above Robin because of the backup being that good. And then Robin. All right. And then Harley. I, I mean, I guess, but we don't count Patreon books. It's fine. <laughs> but it's still a new release. So you can, no, but it's a Patreon book. You can count it, though. You can count it. Uh, okay. So my list is mostly pretty similar to Matt's. Uh, starting off, number one is Human Target. Number two is Rogues. Number three is Action. Uh, but I would say number four is Detective. And then number five is... Uh, Task Force Z, I'd say. I put Task Force Z above Robin this, this week. So, there you go. Uh, Just uh, before we go on to, you know, what's next week, I was looking ahead because Matt mentioned the Swamp Thing Green Hell book. I was like, oh, when, when's that actually been delayed to? Because hmm. it isn't next week. Um, May 17th, it's currently scheduled for, for issue two. I will literally be a year older by the time we get to that issue. <laughs> uh, the, the first issue came out December 28th. I mean, good lord. I mean, and, and I can tell you now, issue three is not coming out when they claim it is, because right now, allegedly, that's coming out May 31st. It would be a shocking one to a punch if they did. But yes, yes it I, would. Yeah. I, 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 I agree that it's, it's definitely not hitting that date. Uh, all right. What is coming out next week, though, is the real question. So here's what's coming from DC next week We have DC versus Vampires, issue six. We have Batman One Dark Knight issue two. I'm looking forward to that. It's been almost since issue one of that. Mm-hmm. That's, that's another spread out black label mini. Yep. Um, if for, for those who don't remember that, that's the one where all the power goes out and Batman has to transport a prisoner to. to uh, and it's Jock. And yeah, it's when Jock was Art. the first issue of that? That was December twenty first. That was the week before. Right. The something. So, so this is quarterly then. I mean, I get that. Yeah, that can work. So yeah, we got Batman One Dark Knight issue two. We got the Swamp Thing issue eleven. That is back. Uh, so yeah. that's nice mm-hmm. and exciting. Uh, Batman Beyond the White Knight issue one, so that's kicking off next week. We have Shadow War Alpha issue one, so that's starting off the crossover. So we'll be just checking that out, seeing how it is mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, Warfare three issue two, Aquaman issue two, Sensational Wonder Woman special issue one, Batman Phase Clan issue one. I'm disgusted because I'm assuming this is some sort of Twitch. Uh... Phase Clan are a Gaming group esports, yeah. E-sports. Uh, Stephanie McMahon was just named to their board. I kid you not. They, really? They've been going. They've been going a long yeah. time. They 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 were they were big back in like Call of Duty four days. Oh, if, if I remember right. All right, and then DC Connect twenty three, which is not really a comic, but it's it's there. So it's, it's, it's the previews, isn't yeah. it? Uh, so yeah, um, not a huge week. No, I've only got four books, but I mean, they're, Me too. they're relatively exciting books, though. I do have a Patreon book to do next week, though, so that's fine. Uh, and I'm not here next week. Good week for it. I'm working. What I did do, though, at the start of this show, was book off the week after, so I'm here for 300. <laughs> <laughs> Smart. Because I was like that, that yeah. He's yeah. taking a holiday day, so he makes the 300. Well, I don't unpaid. They'll, they'll just arrange my days around ah, that, that week. But I, I can't do it every week, because obviously... Other people want Saturdays off as well, so you, right. you can't abuse it. 
Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I'll just decline them. But like, you can you can do one every so often. But episode three hundred, you like, I'm not missing that one. Yeah. That's all right. We we could have replaced you. So we could have found found a suitable replacement. Get Tim to stand in for me, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll find someone who's never read a comic. Uh, so uh-huh. so the the level of critique will be about the same. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if Matt's shaking his head at my joke there, or if he's shaking his no. head at something red. Just a goal that should have happened. Fuck you and your stupid talking. Like, I realize that the Golden Knights are... He's learning. ...are losing every game they're playing right now. Hey, they won hey, two in a row? I was say, yeah. Well, no. They won one. Last I checked, they lost it. It was a big win. Yes. Alright, they'll go back to losing again, don't worry. Uh, but... <laughs> That's crap. Uh, so yes. Um, as for just, uh, you know, other things that came out of Mail Fuzz this week, uh, there was a new ace on The Invisible Man's Revenge, which is the fifth Invisible Man movie. You want to go check out the review of that? Um, I, I saw Pete loved Halo. I reviewed the pilot of Halo, which was... It's kind of mediocre. But honestly, by all accounts, it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's fine. There's, there's nothing to spare. Like, I, I, I mean, I've never really played much of the games. Uh, it's so much of, like, the Master Chief story actually as close to Robocop as the show made it seem, which is that he's got a past that he doesn't remember, but he's starting to remember mm, it. Not massively. There's bits. Nah. But honestly, the, the biggest influence on the Halo game, especially the first, like, one and one and two is is it's aliens. Oh yeah, I know. I, it, I it, it's it's basically we didn't have the aliens license. Yeah, you can tell, yeah. you can see that in the ship designs and stuff. There's clearly a lot of ship designs, uh, the enemies, the, just the, a lot of it is it, it's basically knockoff aliens. Okay. But it was Master a good game. Chief is Robo Soldier. He's not. He's not a robot per se. I mean, maybe okay. I, in the review I said it's kind of Robocop mixed with Universal Soldier, but but what it seemed gotcha. like in the the pilot. But gotcha. Uh, yeah, I mean, that stuff is technically there, but it's not a big part of his story, really. Well, it's, it's there in the first episode, so I mean, yeah, well, it's a big part of the TV show. Hey, if that's what they want to oh, tell the story of, in the it, show, he takes then... his helmet off in the first episode. Yeah, people are really mad about that, and I'm like, it was always going to. Yeah, I don't know. I I just, from what I understand, that's like a dread thing. That's a no no. You don't. That's do that. it, it's more just a case of it's not. He hasn't done it, rather than he doesn't do it. Yeah. No, Dread doesn't. Dread won't. Yeah. Right? He has a thing against it, whereas Master Chief isn't like ideologically opposed to doing it. Hmm, okay. Interesting. Uh but yeah. So I reviewed that this week. Uh plus the newest episodes of uh Picard, the season finale of Discovery, if you're at Star Trek, usually that went up too. So have a look. Uh there's a big review of Scream Five from last week on Screams as well, if you care about the Scream franchise. Me and Tim went in depth on that. And I spent a lot of time three hours that on that one as well. No, it was about an hour 40, but that was a heavily edited one with lots of clips and stuff, so... Uh. It's still it's still longer than the movie, though, Connor, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? With, with it being a horror movie, it's actually believable. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I'm currently editing the next days, which is the Interstellar episode, and... Oh, do not tell me you went longer than the movie on that no, one. No, we didn't, we didn't. But I mean, it was long, it was like nearly two hours, but the movie's like it's two hours It's a minute shy. <laughs> But the movie's like two hours forty, so you know. Uh, yeah, it's a long movie. Hitting that length, but hey, 
yeah, of course you can uh, check out all the other things. You can support the content over at patreon.com slash TV for as little as a dollar per month. At the $5 tier, you get early access to the show. You get it sometime late on the Saturday when it's fresh out the oven and ready to go. Um, higher tiers, of course, you can make me a car with the book. Uh, of course, I'll thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you very much to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, <coughs> David Sharp, Bordnow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Uh, and of course, you can support everything we do by liking, subscribing, digging the bell for notifications. Follow us on Twitter at DC Comics Podcast. And, uh, you know, share the love. Spread us out around there. Give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever. Uh, all those things do help quite a bit. So, so please do. Please, please do. Um, but yeah, so... That is the show. That's episode 298. We're inching very, very close to episode 300. We are two weeks away. So. What what a raid. What a raid. Yeah. And we will show up and read whatever books are out that week. Pretty much. Just like every yeah. other episode. I had to look up the night schedule to make sure there's no game in <laughs> You're not I'll be honest. Um... I just took a sneak peek ahead at what's out that week. Uh-huh. It's mm-hmm. not a lot. It's, it's it's less than next week. Oh, interesting. Wow. In that case... So maybe come up with some ideas, Pete. I would, I would say this, though. I would say to the audience, maybe look out for... I might set up some sort of voting system to, like, uh, build, like, a... You know, maybe, like, a, an audience voted top ten list or something that we can we can look through the results of on the uh, 300th episode. So I'll, whatever I decide to do, I'll have set up for episode 299 going out. So you've got a week to. I, I, I'm looking. There's a possibility I only have one book that week. And <laughs> um, um, you only have two. I've looked at two, what about two books. Uh, Batman and Batman Killing Time. It's just Batman. Then. Well, in that case, we'll definitely do something nice for episode 300. Then, since so this, this is no books, and it's a week early for solicits. So, yes, we will. <laughs> This is what happens when they get rid of weekly detective comics. We're just lost. <laughs> Joe, there was a request on um on the Batman review. Remember when we did the uh, top ten move, uh, top fifty movies of the decade, and we, we uh-huh. I, I recorded it with everyone and cut them all together. Uh, someone requested that for top fifty like comic book movies, and I was like, oh, "That's not a bad idea." Eventually, at some point, but uh, I'm thinking, "Oh." Should we just all go make a top 50 or so for this because there's no books? I'm not making a top 50. I got work all week. I wouldn't make it a top 50. I, I don't like 50 comic book movies. There's no way I could do a top 50 and actually care about all 50 of them. Top 20. I don't even. Is there any good ones? Maybe. I don't know. I, see, the thing is, though, is I've, I've fallen really out of love with the MCU. So, like. Right. So, if you, if you start going, oh, I don't really want that on my top list, that that's not that many left it, overall, really. Yeah, but what do you. But what are you going to put in over from uh, DC? Dark Knight Trilogy. Dark Superman. Yeah. Dark Knight Trilogy, Batman, Superman. Batman 89, personally. Uh, uh, lower than... than well, than I mean, others, you bring in other things. You bring in uh, Kick-Ass, you bring in uh, Turtles, you bring in <laughs> so on and so forth. Admittedly, I, it, it, it would be a... This ends with me putting Scott Pilgrim number one, so... Scott Pilgrim number one? Yeah. This is a terrible idea. We're not doing that. I mean, this is, this is a, besides, this is a comic book podcast. We're not doing comic book movies for episode 300. That's just that's, that's silly nonsense. You don't want to uh, give ourselves broad appeal, Pete. That's, that's how I you mean, get the folks in. 
But 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 don't be surprised. Given that there's that few books for episode three, now that I know that, don't be surprised if next week I give you homework and say go Depends. make a list. Matt, oh. Matt, Matt still has monkey prints. <laughs> oh yeah, that'll fill up two hours of runtime. <laughs> well, I'm done. <laughs> And Matt's hockey game's not going so well. Uh, but yes, this is version 298 of Comets of the Multiverse. Thank you very much for joining us. Look forward to next week and look forward to episode 300, which we'll be doing something special. I don't know what it is yet, but I'll come up with some sort of top list of some kind. Uh, the top 10 to end all top 10s. But not actually, because I'm not ending top 10s. Don't be silly. Like, come on. Oh, damn. I thought we were escaping it from no, the start no, no, of every no, no, week. No, no. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll okay. call no, what we'll do we'll do ten top tens. I'll find ten top tens to look at, and we'll do nothing but top tens. I'm gonna cancel that request Matt, to have the day off. Matt, Matt's fear, the fear in Matt's face. Yeah, yeah. T- turns out work declined. That, that uh, request. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, we'll see. We'll have something. Don't, don't worry. Uh, but thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Keep reading DC Comics, and remember to never get lost in the speech force. Pete secretly loves Scott Pilgrim. Don't let him fool you. Filthy lies.